0: Yeah, so there's a bit in the in the hatchery with uh, Henry Wu, who we remember, I'm sure, from the books. Um, enjoy this scene with him because it's the only one we're going to get <laughs> until four films later. <laughs> uh, Hammond says, "Check the vending machines. Try and find Nedry. <laughs>
1: maybe he's fallen asleep next to one of them again. Yeah, maybe he's just hugging one."
0: and they see there's a little blinking light which means they've just got to restart everything and restart the generator but it just happens to be a short walk across the compound next to the Velocir- Velociraptor pen but sure that's going to be fine Welcome back to Shark Oil. Hello. Hey, not yet, not yet <laughs> What, what, you're giving a welcome back I'm giving a welcome back I'm happy, going to tell you. Stop, okay, Hang on <laughs> Hello And welcome back to Shark Liver Oil. I'm Matt.
1: I'm Dave. Hello.
0: And we're back after the summer. We've got a uh, fairly unusual podcast for you today. uh, Because this is obviously, as you well know, this is a podcast about books. um, And today we're not doing one about a book. Uh, We're kind of rounding off the Jurassic Park uh, run that we did just before the summer. where We did the book in a series of, I think it was four parts, Today's going to be about the film Jurassic Park. Uh, before we dive back into the uh, the books next week, uh, with an Agatha Christie book, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, because we don't give a shit about protocol. We will follow dinosaurs with fussy Belgian detectives.
0: Yeah, we don't play by the rules, you see. In this, yeah,
1: yeah, we've had it up to here with your
0: rules. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Jurassic Park, the film. Jurassic Park. Yeah, probably the way most people first come across Jurassic
1: Park. Certainly the way I did. Absolutely, me too, yeah. I mean, and we're of the right age as well, aren't we? Where, like, this was... I I don't know if it was just that there were fewer, like, massive event blockbuster movies back then, Mm. or if Jurassic Park just ate the opposition. (laughs) But it was like... there was. I mean, these days you've got, like, a major banner release coming out every couple of weeks, whereas then it was like... Your summer will be about dinosaurs. You're welcome. It was very much the sort of vibe of it, and everybody just went mental for it.
0: Yeah. Now, we're going to do this similar to the way we do books. So in the books, as you know, we do chapter by chapter, page by page. Uh, So we'll go through this pretty much scene by scene. Um, Now, in in our preparation for this, uh, one we We've watched this right, haven't we? We've basically hired out a cinema and watched this <laughs> up <in> the
1: <laughs> Although that does make us sound a lot better funded than I think we actually are for a <laughs> podcast outside. We should make it clear that this was in um this was in Cambodia uh, <laughs> yeah. where, where should we should we do a shout out shout out for the guys yeah there? definitely yeah yeah so shout out for the flicks in Cambodia who are fantastic volunteer run um Cinema, they are fantastic for many reasons. Not the least of which is, um, if you give them about twenty quid, you can hire out the cinema. So we did that and watched Dinosaurs. And for me, for the first time on a on a cinema sized screen, and it was unbelievable. Mm. It was excellent. How was it for you? Because you saw it in the cinema when you were a kid, didn't you?
0: Yeah, when I was about ten or something. And and, yeah, it was it was great. Just really, I mean, I must have seen this film ten. 20 times since so yeah, yeah. you know it was great every christmas man it. every christmas <laughs> yeah um i also got the film on uh when i was when i was younger when we went abroad <laughs> my dad sourced it me on dodgy <laughs> oh, pirate no. pirate vhs because it wasn't out yet
1: <laughs> <laughs> hashtag um, 90s
0: yeah which was there were two i mean i absolutely i watched that i watched the pirate d- d- video probably 10 times or something and uh, there were two major issues with it. One was it, the picture quality was so bad that sometimes you couldn't really tell what was going on. <laughs> uh, and, and two, um, the the film cut off uh, before the end. Basically, well, when, when we get to the bit, I'll say this is basically the point where Jurassic Park ended for me for about six months. Um, but yeah.
1: Um, Which, well, uh, yeah, tell us about that when you get there, because I'm I'm quite interested to imagine what your emotional experience must have been, (laughs) sort of discovering there was another five minutes of the film.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, as part of the preparation for this today, obviously, I've I've put a synopsis together. And uh, I also tracked down on the internet what appears to be the original script. Really? Yeah.
1: Holy crap, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so there are a few little bits and pieces that seem to have been dropped... In sooner, but didn't make the final cut as well. So I'll mention those as we go. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: yeah.
0: But let's let's get into it because we're a few minutes in now. So it starts off, and our first experience at Jurassic Park, you are sort of in this island, uh, sort of industrially looking uh, compound on this tropical island, and basically the guy who we later find out is Muldoon, the park's game warden, is supervising the sort of entry of one of the Dinosaurs into the park. Uh, so there's all these sort of stages where they've got this massive sort of cage thing which they push up to the to, the, to this fence to go to the put put the dinosaur in the main compound and they're going through all these steps. <laughs> there's a there's a construction worker who stands on top and like opens the gate. Um do you know what his name is? What? It's Joffrey. Everyone's favourite <laughs> Game of Thrones off. villain. You know what?
1: <laughs> yeah. I now feel th- 3000% less sorry for that guy. <laughs> you do have to say that was a questionable unloading decisions uh, as well, wasn't it? Like like yeah. have you not motors? Are there <laughs> no pulleys? Must you have a man standing on top of the box full of terrifying monster? <laughs> This is the, the 90s, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it will happen soon enough that people who weren't there think that the 1990s was like the medieval era with more day-glow Nike hairs, Right? We don't have to pretend that that's the way it was, right? They had motors
0: back then. <laughs> But I, I do remember when we were watching this this summer, um, there's the bit where uh, Muldoon says, Joffrey, raise the gate. And I thought, briefly... Did he just say what I thought he said? Man, if I'd, if
1: I'd have heard that, I would have ruined your movie-going experience. I'm very glad that you've got the sort of eagle ears for that one. And you managed to get on top of it and save it for now. Because I would have been sitting there for the first 20 minutes going, it's Joffrey, Joffrey's dying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it doesn't last long, Joffrey. Um, as he's raising the gate, the, the, the raptor, it turns out, actually sort of, runs and smashes into the back of the uh the cage so it pulls away from the from the wall and then yeah. it's sort like of, this worker gets dragged in and, and killed. It does two mm. good things here. One it shows obviously the the dangers of, of, of dinosaurs and B how intelligent this one is to yeah. come up with a bit of a plan. Um and it ends Clever with... a girl. Yeah. Sorry. And it, it's coming. Spoiler and it, <laughs> And it ends with Muldoon uh, shouting, Shooter, which apparently um, isn't in the original script. So they must have decided that later.
1: Oh, really? See, I was going to mention that because I think that's something really interesting because, like, I was really struck by the difference between the book and the film in, like, the kind of how much gender plays a role in it Mm. and how much I think that was very clearly Steven Spielberg's intention that he kind of wanted to put this whole thing about, like, um, gender and sex kind of into into the whole thing so it is kind of weird that he's yelling like shoot her, shoot her because mm. I kind of I mean it's not because the dinosaur is female um, but I remember for the first few times I watched this like I kind of, I didn't really make the connection because I'm an extraordinarily dense consumer of films and and I just, I thought he sounded like, he sounds quite London when he's delivering that line so I thought he was calling for a gun I thought it was like shooter, shooter. <laughs> give me a shooter. <laughs>
0: that would have been brilliant if he was just like why, Cockney wide boy. <laughs>
1: Come on. Can you imagine though, Ray Winston in that role? Now, taking nothing away from Bob Peck, Bob Peck's no. a hero in that in, in, in this in this film. Yeah. But can you imagine Ray Winston? Be sort of like sort of like what Vincent D'Onofrio was trying to do in Jurassic World, only better because it's <laughs> Ray Winston.
0: <laughs> it'd be a very different film wouldn't it with Ray Winston <laughs> like yeah well it
1: would be because the first time it'd be like it would be they'd be up like feeding the feeding the velociraptors and introducing them for the first time and he'd just be like shut it you dinosaur slags <laughs> and they would is the thing because it's Ray Winston
0: <laughs> what would be his uh what would be his last line oh you fucking mug! ha <laughs> <laughs> ha <laughs> 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 I'm anyway. at it now, you brass, and <laughs> <haven't> I
1: <laughs>
0: Anyway, um so that's the, uh, the that, that's the sort of sudden sudden end. So so you know, we've got we've got a death already within the first couple of minutes. So yeah,
1: they're not messing around, are they? Sets the
0: tone, yeah.
1: Well, but I tell you what though, I think this is a really smart move because after this, for the next is it like forty five minutes? Like better part of an hour, there aren't any more dinosaurs. Yeah. There you know, they really because we have the big reveal later on, which is beautiful but i kind of i mean so clearly they had to do this in order to be like it is a dinosaur movie be cool yeah be cool because we're about to go and look at skeletons in the ground and you know automatically moving cars and stuff like that
0: yeah yeah it sort of teases you doesn't it
1: yeah it does does. that's that spielberg he's a tease (laughs) uh then we (laughs) Sorry.
0: then we cut to a a lake in the middle of nowhere in this little sort of jungle of the dominican republic and um Who's who's this balding, skinny, rafting novice floating towards <laughs> us? It turns out it's Donald Gennaro, who's looks nothing like I imagined from the books. <laughs> yeah, because in
1: the book he's described as this sort of, like, he's cautious, to be sure, and perhaps kind of situationally quite cowardly. But he's also ripped. You know, yeah. he's this sort of, like, Donald Gennaro was 34. <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, you know, he carries a gun in his back holster and stuff. Whereas this guy is this, like, nervous jittery dude in his mid-50s. Yeah. Uh, I think
0: it's fair to say, Film Gennaro hasn't seen the inside of a gym in the last 20 years, has
1: he? <laughs> that? Well, except when, um, when serving cease and desist orders and <laughs> accidental, <laughs> accidental claims papers <laughs> to yeah. the owners of gym. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: the, as he's floating towards them, there are these two sort of uh, Hispanic guys Sitting on the on the bank, talking in Spanish, and apparently what they're saying is um, they're betting each other a thousand pesos that he falls in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to mention that actually because it does seem to be quite a questionable choice on his part to sort of stand up on that thing. Yeah, <laughs> like so. So, how expensive are his trousers, such that he's willing to risk getting them absolutely soaked in a jungle river rather than just sit down? You know, it's not hard, like, and you're much less likely to... Uh, Donald, Donald. Come on. You, you start poorly, and, and and you... Well, let's be honest, it's not going to get better from here, is it?
0: <laughs> uh, so Gennaro's there to um, start to give us this exposition on... Uh, there's some problems around the park. Obviously, there's the, the issue. A construction worker's been killed, but there are wider concerns as well. Oh, I'm not going to go massively into sort of explaining plot this time, because we've kind of done it in the book. I'll just go over it if something differs from it. Um, but I thought this this is quite... I mean, this is quite good because they go down into the mines and is is uh, looking around and the yeah. sort of dig as a... a hand-digging hand something. Obviously, there's no sort of dynamite or blasting as you would do in a normal mine. It's all very carefully done to preserve stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. At the end, they sort of find a bit more of this amber and... I always thought it was strange. I finally find out after all these years what this guy says. He's, oh, yeah. It, what does he say? So he says something like, because Grant's like me, a digger. And then he looks at this amber. And I always thought he says something like, Gelingos. I yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were saying actually, weren't we? were watching it. What on earth is that? I've never heard of that Spanish word before. Yeah, um, yeah. Apparently, it's actually, "I I lindo, which uh, means you're so beautiful.
1: So he's like, um, Oh, that's. That is really nice. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? But, well, I quite like that, and that actually is very in keeping with this, like, micro-performance from, from um, I forget his name, but I've seen him in other things. Hmm. Is it Miguel Sandoval? Possibly oh. I'm making that up in my brain, the name okay. of the actor. Anyway, like, I've seen him in other stuff, great actor. And um, he's fantastic in Get Shorty as a, as a Colombian drug baron. Right. Um, but... Um, that is my I love that micro performance because it's it's he does seem to be kind of full of love for what he's doing you know yeah. like he would he would be digging even if he wasn't getting paid for it he seems to imply yeah you know and then and then ah you're so beautiful I, <laughs> I, I don't know there's I don't know if I have such affection for the little tiny moments throughout this film because I've seen it so many times because I first saw it when I was a young child or if it's because everything is at this kind of pitch perfect you know everybody's Putting in a performance that's exactly as big and as complicated as it needs to be, yeah, and no more than that, you know. Um, But yeah, a great little example, I thought.
0: Yeah, a little example of my um, the the problems in the video quality of my uh, pirate video as well. Um, When I remember when I watched this on a proper copy once it finally came out in in the UK, Um, (laughs) do you know the bit where he's sort of messing with his hat? Where he's talking to someone, he's sort of holding his hat and running it through his fingers. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I remember thinking when I saw it on the proper like proper version, oh, it's a, it's holding a hat. I was assumed he had this like little tusk of ivory that he was playing with because he could just sort of see this this sort tusk of, of ivory. <laughs> yeah. Now, how
1: bad was this copy? Was it filmed <laughs> using a Betamax camera from the other side of the room? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think my mind must have just made the connection. Oh, they're getting rare stuff together here. Maybe there's other rare stuff just knocking around. Oh, it, it must around. be a tusk, like, like elephant uh. tusks. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, moving on, we uh, we th- yeah. then cut to our third location um, already, mm. and this is Montana, where uh, the Badlands of Montana. I love that name. Uh, where <laughs> we meet Grant and Ellie. Um, it's it's made clear, uh, pretty. Oh well, let, let's let's take this one step at a time. So uh, mm. they're doing a they're at a they're at a dinosaur dig. They're using this sort of new technology as well um, to sort of see the skeleton before they even dig it up. Which Grant doesn't like because he's not much of a fan of computers, um, and, and then we have this annoying little fat kid who uh, who says that dinosaurs aren't scary, and Grant proceeds to scare the shit out of this Just poor kid, shits him
1: right <laughs> up. Yeah. I, I completely love that, like because because it's Sam Neil who's fundamentally you know a very kind of pleasant character. Um character actor and stuff, you kind of, you go with it. But you can just imagine that kid's parents, who are presumably somewhere on the dig, going over to him and going, what the fuck are you doing? What <laughs> the... Just, if he's bothering you, tell him to go away. Don't give him <laughs> nightmares for the rest of time. <laughs> like, I, I, all of that said, I stand completely by Alan Grant's decision in this situation, and I think this shows that he would be a better parent than he might expect.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, we... We actually get a bit of conversation about that as well um two things two things really come out of this th- these conversations he has with Elliot at this this point a uh Grant and Elliot are very much in sort of together in the film mm. as opposed to mm. the book where it's sort mm. of more of a teacher pupil relationship if you like mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and also Grant has the opportunity here to talk about his theory of uh Dinosaurs turning into birds, which uh, mm-hmm. becomes a theme through the book, um, mm-hmm. as well as he also has, as you say, this sort of impatience stroke aversion to kids. And they have this short <laughs> conversation about, do you not want to have kids in the future? And he's like, not <laughs> really. Yeah. They're noisy, they smell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, that's good. Although, again, nice character moments between the two of them. You know, where he's like, he's just really shit up this kid, and he could be very unsympathetic. But then, in that kind of like, she just laughs at him when he goes, "They smell." She's <laughs> yeah. like, "What?" He's like, "Some of them smell. Babies smell." <laughs> just, just like I, 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 I kind of love the back and forth between the two of them in that in that scene.
0: Yeah, um, this is uh, interrupted by the sudden arrival of uh, John Hammond, uh, who. He's the guy who funds the dig uh, and also has has sort of opened, well, not opened, but built Jurassic Park. Mm. And he invites them to the island and they say sure because he's offering to fund the dig for the next three years. All very similar to to what you see in the book, this, isn't it?
1: Yes, although the way he arrives in the film. Did sort of invite a sarcastic response from Alan and Ellie, which they didn't give, which, fair enough, you know, he's the money. But <laughs> I think there would have been a bit of me which was like, oh, good, thank you, because your fucking helicopter has just buried the last three years of work, so, <laughs> cheers. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's a good point. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, as the helicopter lands, it's still got its rotors spinning, and Grant runs over and is like, turn it off.
1: And, oh, and the guy in the helicopter's like, meh.
0: <laughs> yeah, what is he doing, the guy in the So He's like sort of points inside, doesn't he? you got to go see the boss. Yeah, go like, and talk
1: to him. Yeah,
0: I can't shut this thing off without the boss saying so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is the most Jobsworth thing I think I've ever heard. I am technically in control of an aircraft, but until somebody else tells me what to do, I'm just going to let it carry on doing what it does. Yeah, I Don't throw anything up in the air anywhere near these rotors, by the way, deary me. Have your hand off.
0: I reckon it's Gennaro in the pilot seat there, just saying no, no, no. Come <laughs> speak to John. <laughs> anyway, um, we then cut away to uh, another. I mean, it's, it, it's sort of a look at a different location after different location here. We're getting all over the world, but um, mm. we go to a cafe in I think it's Costa Rica, and it's the it's the introduction to Dennis Nedry, uh, hey, who's Nedry. sitting there munching away on his on his uh, on his cafe food. Uh, as as
1: Dogson turns up He's uh... <laughs> so completely Dodgson, by the way. He doesn't call him Dogson. Like I mean I, I know I know that you want to call him a son of a bitch in his actual name. <laughs>
0: Alright, Dodgson. Dodson Dogson anyway.
1: Yeah. So uh... let's call the whole thing off.
0: <laughs> so Nedry, uh, this guy called Dennis Nedry, is meeting Dogson or Dodgson, oh, Dodgson. Uh, who is really jumpy about being recognised, and Nedra has a bit of fun with him about that.
1: (laughs) He's such an asshat, isn't he, Dodgson? (laughs) Like, in the way that he's presented in this, it's just like, how are you an antagonist, really?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough as well, Dodgson turns up in... Uh, the Lost World book, and he's quite an important character, but he isn't in the Lost World film.
1: You'd love to have seen him get his comeuppance, though, wouldn't you? That's why he's in the second book. He's the, you know, in the the first book, he's the kind of, he's the inciting incident. Um, But in the second book, he's, you know, he really gets his, he gets his just desserts, but he doesn't in the film, which is a bit disappointing, really.
0: Yeah, I think film Dodgson, though, isn't quite, like, ruthless looking enough. I think he... He looks too much like just some suit in a in some sort of khaki safari outfit. Um, <coughs> he and, does look like he's in fancy dress. <laughs> <doesn't he>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he needed to be a bit more, uh, especially sort of his character that develops in the in the Lost World book. He needs to be much more of a like risk taking bastard. Like, yeah, badass bastard. Yeah, um, but anyway. So this is sort of the start of a a plan which we don't know too much about at the moment, but it basically seems to involve Nedry getting a load of money for delivering some embryos, um, mm. and uh, we find out a bit more obviously as we go along. There's also the bit where they show him the the shaving foam cam, um, and I think we might mention this in the in the book podcast actually, but when he he tries out the shaving foam and then just puts it on some like apple pie or something next to him, <laughs> and now he yeah. seems to think. Well, what have, you know? It must have been disgusting for the poor side who ended up. Yeah, well, that.
1: that's Oh, cream, brilliant. I tell you what, cream doesn't usually survive either in hot, humid temperatures like Costa Rica, <laughs> such as where I find myself. I'm going to stuck into. Oh, oh, oh! oh it's everywhere.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I like the. Um, oh fuck! I forgot what I was going to say. Um. Oh yeah. No. Right. Is a question for you out of this yeah did you know when you watched this scene for the first or even the fifteenth time what an embryo was um,
0: i I think I remember finding out after watching it the first time because I'd had no idea I thought they were it was basically i mean it's not hard to work out it's basically pre the pre baby bit isn't it that's what you inject into an egg to create a dinosaur basically
1: yeah, but like it's quite. I don't know, that feels like quite technical language. I mean, I just treated it as a MacGuffin. Like, uh, you know, you have to get the really important, valuable thing back to San Jose by then, you know, is all I heard. But yeah. I definitely remember a moment when, like, I don't know, a year or so later, when we actually did, like, the technical words for sex ed, I was like, oh, embryo. Oh, all <laughs> right. All right, cool. Fair enough. Baby <laughs> yeah. Dinosaurs. Makes sense. Makes sense. But until that point, I was like, don't know what that word is.
0: <laughs> yeah, as I suppose, I suppose it, that's the, the great thing about it is you don't really need to. It's
1: just basically the way it's presented. It's obviously just something of value. To, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a real, real Hollywood storytelling. That don't worry about it. We're going to use the technical word, but you just need to know that it's important. All
0: right. <laughs> yeah, It's funny actually. There was um, uh, it's a slight digression, but I was listening to a, a podcast recently about um, the the Walking Dead TV show and oh, yeah. uh, and what well, the episode i've just seen they're talking about how the fences are made of cold rolled steel and apparently it's this this term's popped up in about 5 or 6 different tv shows all in the last year and i think it's just sort of just some i think it's said in the game game of thrones as well at some point the, the gates made of cold, really? cold, rolled, cold steel. rolled steel. Cold rolled steel. And no one really knows what it is. I think it's just some Hollywood term, which basically means
1: really good sort of yeah. material. <laughs> okay, we need to come up with a name for this stuff. What are we going to call it? Can we call it Badass Steel? <laughs> mm, oh, I like the way you're thinking, but I feel like we need something that sounds a little bit more medievally. <laughs> a little bit, little bit more plodrama-ish. Cold rolled steel? <laughs> Fuck off. That sounds like that sounds like oatmeal. What's a cold rolled? What is it? You have you, fallen falling down a hill in a cold place? What no yeah. Cold rolled steel we're having it. Cold rolled steel. <laughs> um we we cut to the helicopter and
0: uh you've got Hammond, Grant and Sattler, Gennaro, all these characters we've met before, and one new character, it's Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum. And hey. he's sort of really kills it in this role he, probably more so than almost any of the other actors uh he really gets the essence of this character doesn't
1: he i was really struck by that this time out particularly because he's given such uninteresting things to say most of the time like the yeah. second half of the film his role is to lie places and bleed slowly <laughs> yeah. and that's it that's his role i mean obviously except for sort of like you know must go faster must go faster <laughs> but um But the first half, just ah, it's glorious. He's given almost nothing to say, but he says it in this incredibly magnetic way. (laughs) It's absolutely great. I mean, you know, and he's like he, he somehow overacts without making it seem like overacting to the point where he literally barks. At one point, in this the helicopter, an, yeah, this is Barks. a super
0: growly, growly barky laugh, isn't it? Yeah, he, just, he goes.
1: No, he kind of chuckles and then he laughs and then he kind of then he he just goes, "Oh fuck it, I'm halfway to dog anyway." <laughs> <laughs> How are you? What? Like, imagine cracking out in rehearsals for the first time and, and a, a, a director having the balls to be like, "Love it, absolutely love it, Jeff, give me more of that." <laughs>
0: Yeah, so this and this is where his he um, his flirting with uh, Ellie begins, uh, which uh, continues throughout the first part of the film, uh, basically yeah. until he gets uh, horrendously injured. Um, and yeah, and he does his super great laugh as well. Uh, we land on the island, and we get our first sight of the dinosaur, well, one that isn't trying to kill someone anyway. And it's uh, it's one of the great lumbering brachiosaurs or brontosaurus, as they've been known colloquially. Um,
1: but but we here at Liver Royal, we don't make mistakes like that. No 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 no.
0: no, no, no. no so no. It, you know what it, this um th- this is the scene where I thought it, it still stands up pretty well. The CGI, even these days, <laughs> even twenty years later. Bit-
1: Did you? Because I actually, that was, I was, I was experiencing a very strange feeling here of complete awe and wonderment as the film kind of presents you with a dinosaur. But also looking at it and going, oh yeah, you can tell that's CGI for definite. Like, (laughs) I was, I, I felt like it didn't stand up as well as I'd wanted it to. And it was really, there was a little piece of me inside that died when I looked at it and didn't go, fucking hell, it's a dinosaur. But instead went, oh, oh, CGI.
0: Yeah, you know what? Actually, I, I think I may have been a little romantic with it um, <laughs> and seen it through the eyes of ten-year-old no, me.
1: Maintain, maintain your innocence, Matt. Stay in that place. No, do not but, open the box.
0: No, because I think it, it is worth accepting that here. Because I think the bits where it still works very well, the CGI, um, yeah. is the the stuff not, when when it's dark, like yeah. the the T Rex breaking out and uh, a lot of the Raptor stuff in in dark places. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, it's a combination of animatronics and and CGI. Yeah, yeah but no, I sure. think that stuff's held up much better than the the bright daytime thing. Because I think the thing that gives away CGI often is the difference in light uh, in yeah. lighting between the people and the computer stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes this yeah. look a bit strange with the uh, with the brachiosaur. But it's well, still yeah, an I epic mean- moment.
1: Oh, it's oh, it's beautiful. Like, it's proper kind of wonder of cinema stuff. Like, I mean, I think as I was watching that scene and remembering it and somewhat experiencing it again, I was reminded of, I actually, I honestly think it had been about 10 years. It may even have been since the first time I saw that before I actually experienced that sort of, like, breathtaking wonderment in a cinema again. And that was at The Life of Pi, Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, There's just some visuals in that which, like, legit stunned me Um, and and which I thought were just completely fantastic. But it was was a long time. So it's still an absolute classic piece of cinema, but there was definitely that piece of, like, yeah, yeah, definitely see the, the CG there. Having said that though, I think it's worth pointing out that computers in 1992 or 93 when they were making when they were finishing off the shots for this were like orders of magnitude less powerful than a smartphone. Yeah. You know, like there's a bit of me which kind of wants to shout out to the guys who were doing CGI at that sort of a level in the early 90s and actually making it work on a on a cinema screen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um we we move on speaking of you're going to see some of these old school computers in a minute because we take the tour um where they they sit in this little sort of theater and find out uh a bit about uh oh right, before we go to that should we no we've, we've done it we've done the mention um should, 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 should we just mention before we go to the next scene the uh one of the one of the classic lines as a uh, as sort of, Grant's coming to terms with the fact he's just seen a dinosaur, and yeah. John Hammond goes, My dear Dr. Sattler, ah, Dr. Grant, welcome. <laughs> welcome to Jurassic Park. And then the string swells. <laughs> have, have, have you seen the. You, there's a YouTube uh, video which I, I'll post on our Twitter, Short Live Royal, um, which is. <laughs> it's basically the, the film, that clip of the film with the soaring strings right up to the point where he says, Welcome to Jurassic Park. And then it cuts to a guy playing it
1: on a melodica. (laughs) It's really funny. Oh, man. Will, Will we never cease to plunder our cultural inheritance for cheap laughs and ironic gags? Yeah. Um, um yeah, no, I, yeah, it's, it's a great scene, and I think it's it's great enough to stand up to that sort of nonsense. There's another couple of great great lines in that scene actually, which I really loved. Um, Hammond, like the world's foremost expert on dinosaurs, being reduced to just pointing at it and going, "It's it's a dinosaur." I just I completely love that as like a, as a, like a melting down of this like leading paleontologist into the dinosaur obsessed boy he presumably once was and always has been like he's yeah. a dinosaur and that's exactly what I would say and I think there's something really there's something really beautiful actually in in being simply excited about something even mm. if you are the world's foremost expert on it like not thinking that being an expert in it means somehow becoming becoming less connected to the simple amazement of it Mm. Um, but it's just there, you know. He's right back to like it's a dinosaur, and that's the coolest thing in the world. And I just, I completely love that. Yeah. I also, I also quite like um, Malcolm giving it. You did it, you crazy son of a bitch. You did it. And the driver in front of him turns round and kind of like, what did you say? <laughs> I just, I really wish we'd stayed on them for a couple of minutes longer just to hear him go. Yeah, that's my boss. You know, like <laughs> starting on him. How dare you diss the boss man? <laughs>
0: Yeah. I'm sure he'll be that little uh that little worker will be dissing the bottom man by the end of the film
1: as well. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I'd love it at the end of it just come over it. You were right, crazy son of a bitch. Apologies. <laughs> anyway, shall we? <laughs> um the next scene is they're in this
0: auditorium, um, taking the, the tour of the park. They're basically finding out how the dinosaurs are made. The the uh, little little man that helps us understand this is mr dna which is a cartoon they've made (laughs) up mr dna (laughs) from your blood
1: (laughs) i think this is a masterpiece of filmmaking this is genuinely a superb piece of because the whole plot revolves around this one idea right which is that dna is somehow a thing yeah and i don't know i didn't know what dna was do you know what dna was no no fucking knew what dna was apart from people whose job it is to know what dna is yeah. and and this was everybody knows what dna is now mm. i think almost almost exclusively because of this one scene that made it understandable
0: yeah it's a very um clever way of getting a, a very complex idea across very quickly isn't it um yeah yeah absolutely it it's helped by the uh this quick visit to the lab as well where they're actually incubating the eggs and um <laughs> they actually end up going to the lab because they just break the ride they sort of they go they, going past the, the the bit where they can see the scientists working, and they just all decide to to basically break the ride so they can jump off and look. And I remember when I was little watching this, thinking that's really naughty. There's no one going to yeah. say anything. That, you can't do that. tell them
1: off. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, Matt, you see, life finds a way. Yeah,
0: which a, is uh, a, a line we get in this bit as well. Subtext. Yeah. Do you think it? Do you think it's also showing the just the brittle nature of the park? This as well, the fact that
1: oh yeah, absolutely,
0: no security. <laughs> there's hardly any security. I mean, it yeah. sh- comes up again, on yeah. the um, Triceratops a bit later on when they just get yeah. out of the cars. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah. So there's a bit in the in the hatchery with, uh, with with the eggs, and and Henry Wu, who we remember, I'm sure, from the books um enjoy this scene with him because it's the only one we're going to get until four <laughs> films later
1: <laughs> yeah but he's dramatically more sympathetic in this isn't he he's kind of funny you know he's kind of interested he's you know he's he, he's not this kind of like Efeat Victor Frankenstein figure, which he is in the fourth one, where he's just sort of like, "I made them, I made the monstrous because you told me to make them monstrous. They are monsters." <laughs> anyway, I'm going to run away because you're all about to get eaten.
0: Bye. Yeah, the moment he Not put a on, on the character. Yeah, the moment he put on the black polo neck.
1: It is. It's he the know. black polo neck of evil and malicious intent.
0: <laughs> Not to be yeah. trusted. But here he's uh, all in white. Uh, Does that, I I, I assume, yeah, yeah, that's why they've done it, isn't it? Um, Here is all innocence and just uh, trying to do something new and achieve something and all this. Um, One of the dinosaurs hatches. Um, Hammond says that he insists that he's present for the hatching of every one of these. And it it leads on into, well, surely not the ones in the wild, and they say, oh, well, there are no ones in the wild as far as we know. Mm. <laughs> um, no,
1: they, no, they don't say, as far as we know, they say, <laughs> there are no, nobody, there's none.
0: Yeah. None. But he, even, even with that accepted, how on earth has he been here for everyone, when, obviously, he's just been knocking about with the tour group, and one's just randomly hatched, without them knowing. Yeah. yeah seemed, and, oh, and It's always bugged the, me that.
1: And the, uh, the guide has just finished as well. Yeah. Like, where, where like, he wouldn't have been there at all if these guys hadn't broken out of their, hadn't broken out of their, um, their tour program, right? Yeah. So, like, he he would be, if this was actually the case, he would be a lot angrier right then. (laughs) He'd be like, Henry, what the fuck? (laughs) I'm supposed to be here for everyone and I was just in the middle of doing my, oh, prick the finger, oh, hello, John, (laughs) you know, yeah, and and there's a velociraptor and you've not called me. Where's, where's, you know, we're... I get <laughs> Mr Hammond to the lab, please. Mr Hammond to the lab <laughs> I get the feeling the people
0: in the lab have just told, like Woo's just told him he's been at everyone. And he's just Hammond's not asked any questions and just believed him. When he said, I've been here for the birth of everyone on the island, you could just cut away to Woo just sort of giving a sideways look to like another lab assistant, like
1: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here for the birth of every little creature on this island. And then there's just Woo behind him going, <coughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> <clears throat> just whisper- oh, yeah, no every every last bastard one of them boss yeah,
0: just whispering to his lab I didn't think he was going to tell anyone about this this lie is getting out of control <laughs> someone's going to tell him that it's actually bollocks in a minute but anyway <laughs> um, yeah.
1: actually that would be amazing wouldn't it if it turned out that everybody else knew that it was a complete clusterfuck but John Hammond is the kind of boss who can't take bad news and always kills the messenger yeah. so nobody wants to tell him like John the fences have broken 12 times since you arrived on the island last week honestly it's it's simply not safe yeah
0: yeah there is an element of delusion about him but
1: <laughs>
0: Maybe not to that extent um the 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 baby that hatches is a velociraptor as it as it as it's hatching we have the uh, there's this conversation about the uh Life, as you say, life finding a way. Whether they can control the population and stuff, it's it's basically a bit of Malcolm uh, naysaying saying and saying that it's you know this place is is doomed to failure. Then the raptor hatches, and when Grant realizes what it is, they decide to go and take a look at the adult versions, which mm-hmm. are in a separate pen. They haven't been, as I think as Ed Regis says in the books, they haven't been integrated into the park yet. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> So they're just feeding, it's sort of feeding time, and we see I, I, them rip a cow to shreds.
1: I have to, which was a fairly visceral moment, wasn't it? Yeah. Although, Although I always thought, you know how they're lowering the um, the cows into the, the load the cow into the thing, and it's got this sort of, like, blue, like, sling underneath it? Yeah. I always thought that was transparently terrible CGI. I was always like, well, you've just put a model cow in there, and you haven't even bothered to put a thing under its belly, and it's just... <laughs> Blue plastic. like So I just didn't experience the sort of visceral horror of this thing getting torn limb from limb. Because <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, it's fake.
0: <laughs> well, the thing is, um, it, on my pirate version of the VHS, I had um, a sort of intense, like more intense horror. Because when the sort of bars come back up at the end and it's just the ripped harness. Um, and yeah. I, I assumed that was like just the remains of cow guts. I was like,
2: Oh is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a
1: PG though. <laughs> no, Definitely yeah. not a PG. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I also like in this bit the the suggestion, you know, that they haven't been integrated to the park yet. Hmm. As though there's some circumstance in the future which would lead to Velociraptors not being like merciless and rapacious killers and stalkers of other beasts. Yeah. Like what are, they, what are they waiting? They're going to work out like you know, like dinosaur sedatives, like yeah. you know, dinosaur chill pills for dinosaurs. Just get them whack a bong in there, and, and then you'll see the world's first hippie Velociraptor. Like <laughs> <laughs> how's that supposed to work? They're yeah. going to be killers forever. You're never going to integrate them into the park.
0: Yeah, well, imagine. I imagine actually in the book they'll just be making new ones. Oh um, uh, yeah, of course they
1: would with this version version nonsense. Yeah. With yeah. um, what was it? The um, Skippy the psychedelic dinosaur. What was his name? <laughs> oh, yeah. Clarence. the Colour changing. Oh yeah, he
0: doesn't make an appearance in the film unfortunately. <sighs>
1: Crying bloody shame. I tell you what, I think this film would really have benefited from a psychedelic sequence. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps with a musical number underneath it. <laughs>
0: Uh, during the feeding session, we're introduced to properly to Muldoon, the park warden, who was always my favourite character when I was younger. Um, I think basically because he dies horribly, but anyway. Uh, so he's there, <laughs> um, yeah, and that's oh, we'll come on to that later. Um, it then moves into a they sort of sitting around a, a table having lunch and discussing the sort of various merits and future of the park. I thought this was quite a ballsy move to be... We've gone so long without big dinosaur action now. Um, and we take a pause to sort of just discuss the philosophy of the park and stuff. It's quite a, yeah. quite a bold move for a blockbuster, this isn't it? But it's one of the reasons I love Jurassic Park.
1: Absolutely. And again, I mean, it's this thing, isn't it, with... Um... I think, and I think it's always true. Actually, like we get a lot of films which are like, you can't talk; you'll turn the audience off. Mm. And then a film like Jurassic Park or Inception goes and makes an extraordinarily large amount of money, and proves that you know you absolutely can. It doesn't; people don't turn off if you're talking about something which they find interesting. You know, put the right words, pitch a situation to people, and then have them go through the implications of it, both you know intellectually and also in terms of getting ripped limb from limb by the dinosaurs you know you're engaged in the whole thing because they're having a discussion about this stuff that you've seen and that you're about to see Um, and I actually I think that's a really really important principle in almost all fiction really is to actually you know not to be not to be ashamed of your brains because I think you end up making really really good exciting films on that basis and I don't think that's just because you know I like, I pretentiously want to think of myself as some sort of intellectual, but I just think it's great. Like, this is another way in which this is an exciting topic. This yeah. is an interesting thing. You know, it's not just physical. It's also intellectual.
0: Yeah. I think the thing that really helps this scene as well is that <clears throat> the, the the guys playing Gennaro and Malcolm really sell it, the two sides of the coin, especially Malcolm with the sort of academic anger and um, the way mm. he gets his point across. You can see... Um, he does a really good job of just, just sort of displaying that emotion of just how angry he is, because the way he speaks, he doesn't shout, but um, he really gets across that quite anger about how ridiculous he thinks the park is and how um, offensive he yeah. thinks the park is. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, he pulls no punches, you Mm. know. Like, I mean, and I think it's a really ballsy move in terms of scripting and what is, after all, a film you're going to market to kids to have Mm. him deliver the line, you know, I call it the rape of the natural world. Yeah. Um, Because it's exactly as powerful as it should be and any other word there would be a cop-out. But you can just imagine if it wasn't Spielberg directing it, some studio bigwig going, oh, bit strong, bit strong, Mm. take it back. And actually it would wreck the scene. Yeah, um, you know, you're absolutely right. Like the kind of the the restrained fury that Ian Malcolm talks with here, I think is just magnificent. Again, in a movie about dinosaurs, anybody else would have been like, "Well, it's been ten minutes. Where's the eating?" Whereas, is, whereas is here, you know, you've got this guy getting into the ethics of of um, biotechnology, questions which haven't gone away, by the way, and which almost no film since has bothered to talk about. Mm. You know, yeah. like Gattaca, I guess. Yeah, um, but. I can't think of very many others really really mm. um, but yeah yeah, fascinating stuff really great Like, and I think it's a sign of a great film that you can love it when you're nine for one reason and <laughs> then like love the kind of seedling versions of these things which in 20 years time you'll find absolutely fantastic and mm. absolutely fascinating uh, really sign of a great film for me
0: yeah um, now we head over to start the tour of the park before we do that um, we're introduced to two more characters. It's the two kids. It's Lex and Tim, who have got mm. a bit of an age swap going on here, because in the books, Tim is the older child, and Lex is the little sister. In this one, Lex is older, and Tim's the sort of little brother. And they kind of share the, um, they kind of share the action out between them in the film, whereas in the book, basically, Tim does everything, and Lex just sort of follows him around. He's just this uh, irritating little younger sister character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So they arrive, and uh, they'll they hop into these jeeps. We get a nice introduction to Tim's character as he's sort of going on and on and on about dinosaurs trying to impress uh, Grant. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I love
1: that he's got no sense of shame as well, that he just follows him around <laughs> from car to car. You know, yeah. there's this whole sequence of, where he's just like, hi, hi. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I think we talked about this in the book, but how this is a nice difference in the film that Grant has this character progression where he doesn't like children at the start and he slowly comes to sort of appreciate you know mm. the what be- what's great about kids um as he gets as, as the film goes along and he's forced to protect these children yeah um, yeah and it's a really nice just character arc and it sort of follows a, a theme about evolution through the film and yeah very true eh? And it doesn't happen in the book. He just sort of likes kids straight away. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a
1: good I, I, and yeah, good example of how they made it richer in the film. And I, I particularly love that it's not the kind of character arc where he resists this kind of this growth of understanding. Like it happens almost instantaneously. You know, children are in danger, and he responds in this. Quite paternal way, you know. He doesn't. He doesn't have a moment of silent agony before he says, "You know, he left you, but that's not what I'm going to do." He gets right into it, which I think, I think is actually, I I wouldn't know, but it seems to me a very logical way of portraying that kind of paternal instinct. Is that in response to the circumstances, it appears rather than being something that one kind of resents one's way into or out of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, As this setting off. There's, a, there's this voice announcer in the car. We made quite a lot of fun of this in the, in the book. Uh, the voice you're hearing is Richard Kiley. We spared no expense. <laughs> who's Richard Kiley? And, and who um,
1: exactly is Richard Kiley?
0: Yeah, in the original script, um, it appears that it was either going to be Richard Kiley or James Earl Jones. Who oh, the,
1: Matt! <laughs> oh, oh, great missed opportunities of 20th century cinema. Yeah. My word. Yeah. Oh, so oh the, you just wrecked me with that. Yeah, the
0: dude from what he was in Star Wars, wasn't he? In he was Darth
1: Vader. He's the voice of Darth Vader. Yeah. Quite apart from being the voice of Mufasa, and um, <laughs> yeah, oh yes, oh yes, and Admiral James Greer in the Jack Ryan films. Yeah, obviously. there you go. So it could
0: have been him, but we got Richard Kyle instead. Of- um,
1: Mind you, if it had been, he would have stolen the scene somehow Like if it had been James Earl <laughs> Jones Even though it's just his recorded voice on an automatic CD-ROM Sorry, an interactive CD-ROM um, It still would have been like Can we have more of the voiceover please?
0: <laughs> Can you imagine? You are now entering <gasps> <in> a
1: paddock <Lofasaurus laughs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And he would sound quite happy as well, wouldn't he? If he was doing it with <laughs> Darth Vader about the fact that Dilophosaurus is a beautiful, but
2: deadly addition. <laughs>
0: right. Uh, so that was, yeah, great missed opportunities as twenty twenty. Absolutely. And I say. think we've
1: established there quite quite conclusively that neither of us can really properly do a Darth Vader impression. Yeah. To um, everybody's astonishment.
0: Yeah. We uh, we're also have a... This this next bit now, we cut between um, a few... Uh, sort of dinosaur exhibitions on the tour where no dinosaurs show up, including the Dilophosaurus and the Tyrannosaurus Rex, Um, Hmm. and also cut back into the control room where the people behind the park are nervously watching what's going on. So you've got Hammond, you've got Muldoon, and you've also got Ray Arnold, who were introduced here, Sam L. Jackson, one of the great casting decisions again here. Um, Absolutely. He actually... Yeah, he's called Ray Arnold in the film, and he's Mm. John Arnold in the book, and on the Jurassic Park wiki page, they sort of conflate this and get around it by saying that his real name's John Ray Arnold, and he's just called by his nickname in the film, so maybe so. (laughs)
1: That seems to me to be reaching quite far. (laughs) Yeah, I think it might be. It's not unheard of for characters to be renamed, or indeed have their ages changed or moved around or whatever. It's yeah. a really weird revisionist approach to the script. No, it is the same. It is the same because he's got a double-barreled first name. Yeah. Yeah, what of it?
0: Yeah, John Ray Arnold. And Nedry's there Arnold. as well, sort of just in the background doing shifty shit, basically. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps like looking at these boats and just messing around on his computer. doesn't seem to be doing much work. You'd love it
1: if, uh, if the first thing that was on the screen when they finally get over to his workstation and try and work out what the hell he's been doing, the first thing that was up there was just like, "Congratulations, you've broken your previous record of nine thousand points on Tetris or something." <laughs> yeah, Solitaire. <laughs> yeah, Solitaire. Exactly. Like, you've now played your ten thousandth game in a row of Solitaire. Do you want to a quit? B continue?
0: I like this. Um, at some point in this. These sort of series of scenes, as well, this argument Nedry has with uh, Hammond, where he's talking about, you know, could you, you know, I'm completely unappreciated. Could you find anyone else to do the same amount of work that I've done for what I bid for this job? And he's, yeah. it, it does a good thing. Of a, it shows how frustrated Nedry is with the fact that he basically underbid for this job. Um, yeah, it seems. I mean, in the in the book, we get a bit more info because it turns out. He sort of bid for the contract, got it, and then in the classic sort of client contract kind of way, um, Hammonds keeps saying, oh, we need to do this now as well, and we need to make this improvement as well. And it's hmm. all it's all covered yeah. under the contract. So it seems like Nedry didn't really put a watertight contract together, and it's been really yeah, shafted because I, yeah, of Yeah, you've it.
1: got to say that as well. Like, I wouldn't be angry if I was Nedry. I wouldn't be angry with Hammond. I'd be angry with my lawyer. Yeah. Like. What the hell were you doing that I have, you know, pro bono work on the other side of the world? No, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having to buy my own pie in San Jose. Like, yeah. I, I would be pissed if I was him. I also think this is the
0: only time in the in the film that we see the harder edge to Hammond. He's, he's a very sort of cuddly grandpa. Um, mm. I can't understand what's going wrong. I'm really upset. Character for the most part, but this bit where he's saying, you know, I'm sorry, but they are your problems. I don't ask. I don't blame people for the mistakes, but I ask them that they pay for them and all this. Just shows just a bit of an example of how he's managed to create this park and make so much money. He's also yeah. quite a ruthless businessman.
1: Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Although, although it has to be said that like one they're both they're both at fault here I think because you're doing something this complicated for the very first time mm. and you don't have contingencies put in for when things necessarily go wrong because they will. Yeah. Because you're constructing it from scratch. Like the the idea that they were both so naive as to enter into this contract is a bit.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I quite like the it's hardly been a conversation at all as he, as he gets shut down yeah. Nedry. It's uh, very yeah. good uh, Wayne Knight isn't he, in this in this role. It play, plays it um I think he plays Nedry pretty, pretty perfectly. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he does.
1: I mean, he's he's comical, but not laughable. He's you know he makes these stupid mistakes, mm. um, but he's also you know he does that kind of like bitter resentfulness thing perfectly. Mm. Yeah, yeah,
0: good performance. So we have the uh, the fairly disappointing tour where they don't see any Dilophosaurus. They go to the Tyrannosaurus Rex paddock, and he doesn't turn up, even though they. And get this poor little goat out to try and tempt him. Um, (laughs) And then we get this great little little moment where uh, Malcolm does a bit of winding up and sort of knocks on the security (laughs) camera. He's like, you are going to have dinosaurs at some point on your dinosaur tour. And poor, poor Hammond's just going, I really hate that man. (laughs) I
1: love, oh, he's so good. Oh, man, Richard Attenborough in a cast full of legends. Yeah. I think he just about pulls it off, just for that sort of, like, I really hate that man. <laughs> like, it's just something incredibly funny in it. Tell you, uh, when I, the goat bit, actually, before we move on, the, uh, when I first saw it, um, you know how it sort of goes down on its, whatever its elbows are? Like, as <laughs> yeah. as I now know, goats do. That's what it looks like when goats relax. Is they sort of kneel down and their forelegs kind of flop about all over the place. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time. I thought they'd broken the poor thing's legs. Oh. I thought Yeah, exactly. So I thought I was in the same way as you thought it was the the cow thing was a lot more vicious mm. than it originally was. I watched it and I was like, It's a T fucking Rex. Can he not <laughs> chase the thing? Like, <laughs> like how much do you hate goats,
0: you people? Yeah. The goats already Chained to a pole, so right. quite how he's going to get away. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Although I'll tell you, it did. It, it gave a lot more, um, a lot more. It made me, it made me a lot more kind of emphatically agree with, you know, Grant's line of T Rex doesn't want to be fed, he wants to hunt. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you need to have to kneecap the poor thing. <laughs> Gangster style. Gangster, yeah, they <laughs> fucking kneecapped a <to> goat. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, the goat, kneecapped or not, um, is not enough to tempt the Rex, so uh, they move on. They finally do see a dinosaur, um, but it, they have to sort of take matters into their own hands. So Malcolm's doing a bit more flirting with Ellie, he's doing the sort of which way is the drop going to roll down your hand ah, routine. The classic, yeah. the classic, yeah.
1: I know chaos theory to master's degree level yeah. approach to chatting a woman.
0: Uh, And they end up all jumping out of the car because they see a a Triceratops lying in the grass, um, being treated by a vet, so they go over and take a look. This is the whole, in the book, the whole gizzard stones mystery, uh, where it turns out the dinosaur's getting sick because it's been eating stones coated in berries and then sicking the stones back up again. Um, In the original script, um, this was going to be solved. There was going to be a little bit of dialogue at the end where they say, yeah. oh, look, we've got these stones, blah blah but they cut it for time, um, which is a bit of a shame, because it would be nice to get some yeah. resolution. In the, in the film, as it finished, in the final version, you kind of, they half-solve it, Ellie ends up looking through that one big pile of shit that Malcolm comes across, and then they just sort of give up and, and, and move on. So... Uh, maybe yeah. they, they thought it's
1: just there's just too much going on here we need to get moving yeah i mean pace is really important and if you've given time to the sort of philosophical discussion before i understand why you'd want to cut that but at the same time what is it like 5 seconds 10 yeah. seconds and you get a little you get a little demonstration of scientific method i yeah. feel like that could have been very powerful but you know at the same time you know what do i know
0: yeah so it is powerful the this is one of the great um wonder moments in the uh in the film, isn't it? seeing this massive oh, Triceratops yeah.
1: and yeah oh yeah,
0: this is all animatronic and stuff, and it it still stands up very well, looks it great looks
1: so good, doesn't it? Mm. like I just yeah, just just fantastic, like from top to bottom, and, and you get more of this like um Alan Grant being in touch with his inner inner schoolboy, yeah.
0: you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah also we get our only um look at. Dr. Harding, who is in the f- book a lot more than he is in the film, he just gets this cameo role here. Um, mm. And he's, he's actually played by one of the producers.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. And I was is that thought why he's he was, got so few lines?
0: Yeah, and that's why I think he, he isn't that great either. Um, but apparently he was, you know, were, I watched this behind the scenes of Jurassic Park and they were saying how great it was to have one of the producers on set. because um, <laughs> Yeah kept him going and stuff. But You're hardly
1: gonna say God, it was awful. I can't believe as well as putting the money in he wanted to be in the fucking thing. Are there not actors who could do this work? Jeez.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But um that's the yeah the one little cameo from Harding. Um (laughs) (laughs) So we we move on from there. I don't think there's anything else to say that bit. And the back in the control room Nedry does the sort of <laughs> the shiftiest fuck ed- exit of all time. I absolutely love this. It's like um so uh the, the the system's gonna be compiling up. I'm gonna go out and get some something sweet because I had a lot of salty stuff and, and some something sweet, so I'm gonna go get it and you asked me to debug the debug the phones, so I did, <laughs> did it and
1: <laughs> that's, that's a magnificent impression of a, a juttery stammery Wayne Knight Amazing. <laughs> Hey, do you do an impression of him in um in Third Rock from the Sun as well, those like lo- those long, hard boiled detective style monologues? <laughs> no. <laughs> I <can't> oh, <laughs> oh nah. Oh, you had me going for a second there. I thought you were gonna crack it out.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so he does all that and basically Hammond and Arnold and Muldoon are looking at him, basically jaws <laughs> open, like what on earth are you talking about?
1: What the fuck's the matter with you? Yeah. Uh, I'd like it if one turned to the other one, like after he left the room, one just turned to the other one and just sort of made a little kind of glug, glug, glug kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of just, what's the matter with him?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, once once he gives his explanation, as he's about to walk out the door, he synchronises his watch and clicks uh, this comedy large execute button on the screen it goes... <laughs> <laughs> and like sets off,
1: okay, <laughs> sets everything in motion. <laughs> the big world for a, for a not terribly computer literate age, I suppose that made sense, didn't it? We need some way of showing that what's happening on the computer screen right now is a big fucking deal. <laughs> How about a massive red button with the word "execute" written on it? <laughs> Done. Excellent. <laughs>
0: uh, so now we start cutting between. Uh, scenes of the land cruisers moving back towards the visitor centre a few conversations including including Malcolm's brilliant um, Grant says are you married and he says occasionally I'm always on the lookout for the next ex-Mrs Malcolm that is such a
1: good line isn't it
0: <laughs> yeah um, and also there's sort of what Nedry's up to so he's he runs into the uh, embryo storage and lifts up these really cool looking towers which have got uh, mm. a, a loads of embryos in it glowing towers uh, yeah. as, he's, as he's stealing the stealing the embryos, mm, mm-hmm. uh, the fences start to fail across the park, which is another a good sort of shot where Arnold's lighting a cigarette and suddenly like turns away as he sees the fences failing. Uh, yeah, flashes. Yeah, um, yeah. Do, do you know? Oh, and then as it gets a, a lot, sort of, it gets obvious that things are going to pot. Uh, Hammond says check the vending machines try and find Nedry
1: (laughs) (laughs) maybe he's fallen asleep next to one of them again maybe he's just hugging one
0: (laughs) and uh, there's also uh, as Arnold's trying to sort of work out what's happened he's he's on Nedry's terminal and Mm. you get that little you didn't say the magic word guy (laughs) pop up (laughs) "Ah, ah, ah, ah." (laughs) Uh, which is quite it's got a classic sort of old school hackery stuff yeah
1: it it is but it's hackery in the sense of the film Hackers which I think might have had little or nothing to do with computer science you know what I mean I just love the idea that he's like because what he would have to do in order to animate his face doing that is like take a picture of his face like Mm. smiling (laughs) and then one smiling with the eyes up and then one smiling with the eyes up and the tongue out, and then record. <laughs> ah, ah, ah! You didn't say the magic word. Imagine him doing that on his lunch break, Nedry. What? The, what are you doing? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Yeah. You'll see.
0: Um, in the script, uh, one of the directions series they dropped was um, apparently it was um the, the computer was supposed Nedry's computer was supposed to start playing a tune like the Jeopardy theme, um. <laughs> And, and and it was supposed to get louder and louder as the sort of scenes continued to the point where there's just this really loud, like, game show music and they can't switch
1: it off. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great idea in a book. Yeah. On screen, it would be incredibly irritating, unless you had, like, the perfect music, right? Yeah. Unless it was genuinely tense stuff. And let's be honest, the countdown music would have been terrifying in this situation.
0: yeah. Yeah. Or it'd be good in a book or in a black comedy but I see why they took it out because the tone just wouldn't be right at this point yeah
1: really. yeah 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 absolutely
0: okay now we move back to the Land Cruisers which have stopped outside the Tyrannosaur paddock and get ready for one of the great action set pieces of Hollywood cinema oh yes um, it starts with uh, the the two kids mess around in the car as Gennaro's wondering how the hell he got stuck with the kids um, and Tim gets these night vision goggles out, which become sort of these iconic bits of kits. And then there's a little sort of glass of or plastic cup of water on the, on the dashboard, which starts to vibrate with the sound of massive approaching footsteps, <laughs> Yeah, um, which apparently they, they really struggled to work out how to do this, um, when they were making. Oh the film. yeah, no, I, I've heard this as well. Yeah. Yeah. And in the end, it was the way they did it was they got sort of a a string underneath um, underneath the water, underneath the cup, and they'd flick it, and that would make the sort of the, the concentric circles. But yeah, so I, it was
1: a uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, oh, clearly it was more difficult than I thought. But I'll level with you. I've thought about that little factoid many times when I have <laughs> accidentally kicked a table and seen it and gone, "Oh, that." <laughs> yeah. How difficult was it again?
0: Yeah. Maybe it's because the whole car needs to feel like it's vibrated. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, they, that they said be. they said. I'm it not. Difficult. I'm not
1: about to go dissing industrial Light and magic for this stuff. <laughs> it was a magical, a magical thing in the uh, in my childhood.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a bit where uh, Lex goes, "Where's the goat?" and suddenly the the goat leg just lands on top of the uh, <laughs> on top of the car. <laughs> hey,
1: you 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 can't you can't say that's not comedy. <laughs>
0: And uh, so we see the Tyrannosaur eat this goat. That's the first sighting we get of the of the Tyrannosaur's head, isn't it? It's, it's eating this massive, massive goat. Oh, he's eating this goat, it's not a massive one. He's um,
1: eating a massive T Rex, eating <laughs> an average sized goat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny that in the uh, Jurassic Park world, uh, this happens again. And there's the, the kid's sort of on his phone, not even watching. And it just shows how things have changed. But it was that big old shit moment. Um, And then you see the there's the there's the bit where you see the tyrannosaurus claws on the fence, and Tim realizes that the fence is out. And then (sighs) that is a
1: great moment. Yeah, because that's technically you know that's that's the that's the start of the scene, and you'd expect them to really sell it, but it's just this really like subtle moment where you kind of only realize slowly. Oh, bollocks. Yeah, You know?
0: Yeah. Gennaro does his Ed Regis routine, because obviously in the book here, Gennaro's not even not even present. He's gone back with, uh, with Harding and Sattler. So uh, he takes the place of Ed Regis, who doesn't exist in the film, and he runs off and leaves the kids on their own. <sighs> he, t- um, he
1: takes Ed Regis' role as cowardly bastard. Yeah. And, and and fulfills it to an absolute T, I mean let's be let's be fair to the guy.
0: Yeah. Although whereas Ed Reggie's run off down a hillside and got covered in leeches, Gennaro runs into a toilet and hides there. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you've got to go, Matt, you've got to go, haven't you? You gotta go, you gotta go, yeah. Hey. So the uh the, the Tyrannosaur gets out of the out of the pen, uh Storms onto the road, and we have another series of really sort of now classic, sort of shots. There's a bit with Lex with the uh, with the torch, and then the 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 dinosaur's head comes down outside, and the eye looks the glass in. Glass roof, classic. There's the glass roof where yeah, where yeah. with the with the attack on the car. Um, and yeah, this whole this whole action set piece. I mean, we don't need to go through it shot by shot, but it's a. Uh, it is one of the sort of classic action set pieces now isn't it. And as so I said before. Good. Yeah, and as I said before, the CGI stands up a lot better because it's so, so dark, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think this is a really great example. I was going to say before actually, the of like the I mean absolutely. They set the scene at night because the CGI probably wouldn't stand up to it during the daytime. It was 1993, but also um it's a really great artistic decision like it works and i love that and i think that's a real piece of skill to kind of bring together those those two things like like using your constraints to actually tell a better story mm. um i think is a real sign of like of skill in technique in anything really and particularly in filmmaking they use it so well here
0: mm. apparently the the thunderstorm was a real problem for the effects team because the the massive animatronic tyrannosaur head um, once it got wet, it got really heavy, so it wouldn't so stop working. <laughs> <laughs> so let's have this broly you, over so it. <laughs> That's
1: amazing. Who's the T-Rex Wrangler? Who's responsible for the T-Rex's <laughs> umbrella? I like the idea of that. Like, imagine breaking that to Spielberg. Like, So it won't move. Why not? I thought you made it out of rubber. Well, foam rubber. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> so you mean, you're telling me you you, you brought... A groundbreaking piece of equipment to a tropical storm zone during the rainy season and you made it out of a sponge <laughs> get out of my sight
0: <laughs> I think from what I don't remember fully but I think they decided obviously it was this bit was in a massive studio, um, it's not actually outside and they decided to make it a thunderstorm like, at the last minute <laughs> and the effects team were like um Okay, <laughs> this thing uh. isn't waterproof. <laughs> 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 oh, anyway. brilliant! Absolutely um, magnificent. Yeah, so we get Gennaro eating on the toilet. He uh, he goes out uh, in quite a spectacular fashion. Um, Malcolm's nearly killed in in this sort of in this sequence as well because he sort of runs away with the flare. Um, Jeff Goldwyn always says that he um, he suggested this it, originally Malcolm was just going to run away the same way Gennaro did and mm-hmm. nearly get killed and he <laughs> said well why don't I get a flare as well and sort of try and be a bit of a hero and that's why it changed to do that mm. um, and oh there's also when Grant goes to try and help the kids uh, in the overturned car there's that there's that moment with the foot coming down, the Tyrannosaur foot coming down um, yeah, which is a classic shot again. Yeah, um, was
1: so good, eh?
0: Yeah. So th- this basically ends with the, the Tyrannosaur throwing a, uh, one of the cars with Tim inside uh, over the fence, uh, and Grant nearly being crushed by it with Lex on his back. Does this this always puzzles me a little bit? How the Tyrannosaur's at ground level when he's breaking out of the when he's breaking out of the fence. And then mm. when they ch- when he's chucking the car, there's like a twenty foot drop on the other side of the fence. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Weird, isn't it? I mean, you can kind of imagine there being a big like Hillside. slope or hill. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Like, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, hey, odd, rule of cool. Let it go. An, there's, rule there's, of cool. There's,
0: <laughs> there's a more troubling Tyrannosaur. Um, moment later on which we'll get to um, uh, which puts this one in the shade but we'll move on (laughs) Um, (laughs) so we go back to the control room and Mm. uh, John Arnold, uh, Ray Arnold's basically saying uh, look I can't get Jurassic Park back online without Dennis Nedry cut to Nedry he's driving through the driving rain this is a a scene which has lifted uh, pretty much almost exactly from the books where he gets lost um, he nearly crashes he tries to sort of get back on the on the road to the docks and he meets this Dilophosaurus which at first he thinks is fairly harmless because it's quite small and in the end ends up killing him horribly what do you make of it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well they don't mess around do they in dispatching with Nedri. like I would have no. thought maybe there's a bit more dramatic juice in him but no Thirty seconds of driving, one skid, questionable decision making, cute dinosaur, dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. his entire story arc. <laughs> yeah,
0: I remember when I watched this as a, when I was younger. Though the spitting dinosaur was such a cool idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, so my first encounter with this this thing was in the novelization, mm. I mean, like the, you know, the kind of crappy rip off, you know, scene by scene description. Uh, w- which was nowhere near as good as our fantastic, insightful scene-by-scene scene description. Did he get? Did At he home. get
0: killed in the in the children's? Uh, oh yeah, comic? Like,
1: everything that happens in the film happens in the book, described in language appropriate for nine-year-olds. Oh, so um, so yeah, and it described, but even worse because it was like it described. I can still to this day I can <laughs> remember like describing the kind of white spots in his eyes when he opens his eyes and he realizes that he's blind and all he can see is like it's black with white spots. Mm. And, uh, and he spat in his eyes and he felt this burning and then he got eaten inside the car. And I'm like, yeah, it was definitely, it was a questionable decision to let me have the book but not watch the film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, there's something we, we forgot with the con- back in the control room. Um, one of my favourite lines of the film were uh, Arnold's explaining what's happened. Is like like, uh, look at this white rabbit, the
1: object. So whatever it did, it did it all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's still that's still the approach that most people take to solving things on their computers these days. <laughs> whatever it did, yeah. it did it all. Turn it off and turn it on again.
0: Yeah, white rabbit, not object it. Um, <laughs> we move on to the uh, getting Tim out of the car in the tree. This is a just-for-the-film um, sequence, isn't it? Rather strange. I was quite surprised when I read the book this time, and this didn't happen. Um, I always assumed it happened in the book as well, but it didn't. Um, So it ends up basically being Grant and Tim racing to get out of this tree before the the car falls on them and kills them.
1: Yeah, great set piece, isn't it? Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh, There's apparently a a really long, well, fairly long scene here, which was cut, where Grant convinces the kids to come with him and... uh, head off into the park and they talk about whether they should walk back down the road to the visitor center and they say this as they do in the book that the Trinosaur is going to be in between the pens and he's probably hunting around there so it's probably safer to go into the Trinosaur paddock because he's left mm. it um none of that happens in the film now uh, it was cut uh and we go to Sattler and Muldoon so Ellie and Muldoon are on the way out to to try and find the uh the survivors. Oh, at the moment they think they just got to pick them up, but then they realise that shit's gone down when they see the uh, they see mm. the trampled down fence and the missing car. Yeah, uh, again, great scene, and it, it ends with uh, a yeah. well. There's there's a brilliant bit. I think this was Gennaro. I think this was too when they sort of find his body parts all all around the uh, the road. They find Malcolm. They find the other car, but no other survivors and they just get away in time when the tyrannosaur turns up again and chases them in the car.
1: It's such a great scene. Yeah. I I I love that they ripped into it with um with um uh Independence Day did a riff on it as well. Mm. When um when um the Jeff Goldblum character is running away from uh running away from the aliens. Oh yeah. And he, he himself goes, "Must go faster. Must go faster."
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they also do actually in uh, Toy Story two, they do a, an homage to it as well. <laughs> they're driving along in a little toy car, and they're, oh, they're, they do the Rex toys chasing after them, and, and he he appears in the in the rearview mirror and this in this side mirror.
1: <laughs> I'd forgotten that, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Toy Story and Jurassic Park. There you go. Um, yeah. Classics. Then we get the scene between Ellie and Hammond in the in the little. Cafe where Hammond's talking about how his flea circus and
1: when we have control, you never have control, that's the illusion. <laughs> yeah, another great scene, which I'd the power of which I'd completely forgotten. Yeah. Um
0: yeah. Yeah, just sort of the if this is basically Hammond coming to terms with the fact that his, his parks Falling down around him, and also he's lost his grandchildren, which he seems yeah. much less worried about in the book. He's just worried <laughs> about the park.
1: Yeah, um, that's true. At least he is worried in the thing, whereas in the book, bu- in the book, he's a knobhead. In yeah. the in the film, he's just misguided. You know, because again, if you've cast Father Christmas as this guy, then you can't. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. There, there, there is a scene in the book which is pretty much at the same time as this, and is just having talking to someone, but he's talking to Henry Wu. And um, mm. they're going over various ideas and stuff for the park and he's singularly not worried about what's going on in in the park at the moment. Mm. And I quite like how it's linked together by the fact that in the book, um, Woo's eating ice cream, which uh, Hammond's sort of put on for him. And it's this ginger ice cream, which he says is really good. And in <laughs> in this, uh, Ellie at the end sort of has a bit of ice cream. He's like, oh, it's really good. And he says, bird, no expense.
1: Yeah, great moment, isn't it? Yeah. Really great moment. I mean, I, I would, I feel like that would have been all of this stuff would have been stronger if John Hammond had ever really been confronted with the reality of what was going on. Like yeah, witnessing somebody get killed by a dinosaur, which is very unlikely. He's a man with a, a walking stick, and you kind of, you know, <laughs> I don't really know how you would get him out there and get him back again. But, but yeah, at the same time, I'm like, I like all of those moments are powerful. But they'd be more powerful if you could see that he was thinking the entire time mm. about. Um, about the fact that he's seen this person die. Yeah.
0: yeah. Spe- speaking of, world's coolest walking stick. There's oh, The yeah. stick with that amber with the mosquito trapped inside absolutely. of it. What a, absolutely. what a walking stick.
1: I know. P-I-M-P is what that is. <laughs> that, is that is absolutely, that's purple floppy hat territory, that, but with science. Yeah. Um, although, Although, <laughs> I do wonder if they were like, like, should we put this one in a stick? Yeah, but what if it's like a T-Rex or something? What if it's something we still need? Like, oh, it's a stegosaurus. What if it's a stegosaurus? That's why there's no stegosaurus in Jurassic Park. Eh? It's in his walking stick. <laughs> yeah. the, um, uh, either side
0: of this uh, cafe scene uh, with the ice cream and the flea soaks and all that is um, mm-hmm. Grants and the kids in the park uh, climbing a tree uh, to, to to sort of hide for the night, and then coming across this brachiosaur that turns up and starts sort of eating the branches next to them and ends up sneezing on Lex. Uh, mm. Another sort of nice bit of time just to enjoy the, the good part of the park again um, before we get back into the screaming horror of the bad part of it. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true, yes.
0: Um, We move on to uh, back in the control room the next day and Arnold's been sort of going through the code line by line trying to find out what's gone wrong. It's, It's obvious that he's never going to be able to do it. It's about two million lines of code. He has to look at every single one. They're not going to do it. So they're trying to work out what to do next. You've got Malcolm lying there with his shirt off for the ladies. You've got Hammond pacing around. You've got Arnold... Trying to work out what to do, yeah. You got Muldoon, and the sort of the plan they come up with is to just switch everything off and on again, as you just said. The sort of the, the way most people deal with any technical problem: switch it off and on again. And uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it has to be said: switch it off and on again in the coolest possible way, right? In the hold yeah. on your butts, <laughs> yeah. Uh, before they do
0: it. Muldoon comes up with another idea which is putting the lysine contingency into effect and I always thought why don't they listen to him and do that it sounds like an an alternative plan which might have meant not everybody gets killed um, and it's basically if you deny the animals lysine they slip into a coma and die as Arnold explains um, yeah. in the original script apparently the mm. uh, there's a bit more to this conversation they actually discuss whether or not to do it and it turns out, it takes seven days to actually come into effect. This, yeah. Um, so, you know, it, <laughs> what they're going to do for seven days while well, they wait for that to happen, and that's why <laughs> Hammond says people are dying. Shut down the yeah. system, and that yeah. kind of makes more sense. Actually, I think it kind of needed that line. Because I always yeah. thought, well, why don't you just use this other option, which sounds like it might work? Just kill the dinosaurs. Absolutely. It just yeah. sounds in in the film it, as it as it sort of the final version. It just always seemed to me like Hammond was as worried about keeping the dinosaurs alive as anything else. It felt more mm-hmm. like some eco friendly, protect the dinosaurs decision. Let's all get out of here alive, rather than yeah. let's just kill the dinosaurs <laughs> and have done with it.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, and plus, like, can you imagine what that would have been like if you're just waiting for them to die from lack of lysine? You know, kind of like occasionally, you know, even if you get everybody back in the same place, you all hide inside and you live off of melty ice cream Mm. for seven days. (laughs) And you go out, and on the seventh day, John Hammond walked forth and he found a pachycephalosaurus and looked it dead in the eyes and said, you feeling hungry yet? (laughs) Yeah, and well, lo, the pachycephalosaurus headbutted him into the ground and turned him into pate. Like <laughs> it's not a very realistic way of dealing with it, is it?
0: Well, there's also the problem with without any power and stuff. How do you get off the island as well? And yeah. um, apparently, there was a line in the in the original scripts where after it's explained this plan, this seven day plan, uh, Malcolm <laughs> says that'll be a first man and dinosaur dies together. I vote for John's <laughs> plan, and he puts his hand up. um but maybe that was cut because it seems yeah. a bit of a strange levity and such a. It is. Um, although
1: situation. he's supposed to be hysterical, isn't he? Although they do, mm. they lose that whole thing about Malcolm in this the second half of the film. Mm. Whereas in the book, in the book, he becomes the sort of vehicle for all of this philosophising about where you know mankind's place in in creation and and you know yeah. making of these dinosaurs and playing God and so on. Like and he you know paradigm shifts and and all of this and it all comes out because. Because um, Grant's got a Grant's deli- uh, not Grant, sorry, Malcolm. What's his name? Malcolm. Bloody mm. hell! Because Malcolm's delirious. Mm. Um, obviously, big fan of the film, but there is a bit of me that wonders whether it wouldn't have been more entertaining if, if you know, if Malcolm had been sort of smacked off his tits for the <laughs> second half of the film. Can you remember, <laughs> just sitting there going, oh, "You go understand there's paradigms and dinosaurs," <laughs> and I fucking love you, mate. Give me a kiss. <laughs> like, it would have been incredible. Yeah.
0: Um, so they, they they take plan B, uh, which is shut everything down. You have, as you say, the hold on to your butts line as he switches everything off. <laughs> <all final, laughs> switches it on again. And it does come At first, I think it hasn't worked. And they see there's a little blinking light, which means they've just got to restart everything. And mm. Restart the generator, but it just happens to be a short walk across the compound next to the Velocir- Velociraptor pen. But sure, that's going to be fine. Um, <laughs> apparently, this is a, in the again the when I look through this, what it says is the original script. Um, mm. There is this extended dialogue, and when it all works, because it was Hammond's idea. Apparently, Hammond was supposed to say, "When it all comes back on, that'll teach you to trust Grandpa." <laughs> it was good. That's weird. No, that's it is, weird. Isn't it, isn't that's it. a line that you it's could a, lose. It's, it's difficult true, to imagine line.
1: even somebody as talented as Richard Attenborough <laughs> not saying that whilst rubbing his thighs. <laughs> I'll teach you to trust Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: what a line. But anyway, that wasn't oh, said. Terrible. And we uh, I mean, move on. So that's now the plan get, every, get everything back on. Uh, I guess the amazing shed restart the whole park. Uh, meanwhile in the park we have the Gallimimus stampede which is a hadrosaur stampede in the book isn't it um I quite like how they so Grant and the kids are on this hill watching the the Gallimimus change direction like a flock of birds and yeah. uh, and Lex just says are they meat eating meatasauruses <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love that line. Vegisaurus. Vegisaurus. <laughs> Metasauruses. Met- <laughs> Cause she's so like she you know, she's really good at computers, but a lot of this stuff she you know she is way out of her depth. Yeah. And um and I, I quite like that she kind of quite cutely embraces that.
0: Yeah. So uh they end up running in the middle of this stampede and jump behind a, a sort of a, a rock or a tree as the Gallimimuses run past, and one of them gets eaten by this ambushing Tyrannosaurus Rex. Um, this was the the first example of CGI. Apparently, this is the the one that like they they put together this scene without the people, and that convinced Spielberg to go with CGI instead of animatronics for most of it. Hmm. Um, do you think it would have been better with hadrosaurs instead of Gallimimuses? It's probably harder to do because they're so much bigger.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean. No, I think it was good. It was good with Gallimimuses, to be honest. Like, you have to introduce this kind of like quite delicate dinosaur, which can also move really fast and mm. get moving really quickly. There is no point having something that's really dramatic at thirty miles an hour if it takes half an hour to get there. Yeah, you know, like you need something that can sprint. Yeah, and they do.
0: Yeah, and uh, then we we cut back to the bunker where they're waiting for Arnold to. Um, to sort of get the power back on and nothing's happened apparently and we we mentioned this in the book um when we got to the john arnold death scene mm. there should have been a ray arnold death scene in jurassic park because he sort of gets caught by a raptor in the in the shed yeah but yeah. because there was a hurricane during the filming it all got delayed and i uh, and Sam Jackson had to go off and do something else, so he couldn't film this scene, so it never happened. Oh,
1: really? Yeah, amazing. Weird. You know what? I'm actually gonna I'm gonna look up what he did next because I I I do <laughs> wonder like what film what film it was that robbed us of the Ray uh, the Ray Arnold death scene, <laughs> and whether it was worth it because he's been in a lot of films, right? Yeah. So yeah. leading me to wonder whether they were all strictly you know worth it. <laughs> okay, so in 1993, he was in Jurassic Park. And he was he was in like True Romance. He was in a lethal weapon ripoff called Loaded Weapon mm-hmm. eh? But directly after Jurassic Park, he was in a film called The Meteor Man. Okay, that that absolute classic. If <laughs> you get a chance, Matt, go and click on it because the poster's magnificent. The poster features <laughs> Eddie Griffin. Eddie Griffin in a sort of foam-rubber <laughs> superhero outfit. And if that's the reason why I didn't get a Ray Arnold death scene, I'm suddenly very, very angry. Yeah, well, but yeah, so
0: Sam Jackson was busy making, what was it, Meteor Man?
1: The Meteor Man. I, although I should say, actually, looking further down the list, there is a chance that he went off to film Pulp Fiction instead, in which case I'm fine with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, okay. But... Um, so, so that's so that's why Arnold has disappeared. He's, he's off making another film. So they think, shit, we need to do something. So Ellie and Muldoon decide to head out to see what's happened and hopefully get the park started again. <laughs>
1: I, you wouldn't put a lot of hope in that, would you? At that point, hopefully, mm. sure, you go ahead and hope. That's fine. Yeah, feels unlikely though.
0: Um, if you remember in the book, Muldoon at this point has what's effectively a rocket launcher to um, to, yeah. to like, shoot the animals with. In in the film, he just basically has a big gun. Um, in the script, it says actually that he takes a gun and a rocket launcher out, and they just must have just dropped the rocket launcher because it must have looked ridiculous. <laughs> like he's just <laughs> tooling up like, <laughs> like some kind of zombie survivalist prepper. LAUGHTER <laughs>
1: with a rocket launching
0: yeah so so they head out um, towards the uh, towards the shed as we cut to a a scene so this again cuts back and forth now where uh, Grant and the kids are climbing over this 10,000 volt fence to get out of the park just as (laughs) uh, Ellie is going through various stages of switching the the stuff back it's tense
1: though isn't it it is tense
0: yeah I always, because of this, saw ten thousand volts as, sh- as shorthand for a-, a lot of power. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no
1: way I actually understood what ten thousand volts is. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> whenever I was imagining as a child, like electrified fence or something which you couldn't get past, it'd always be
1: ten thousand volts. This <laughs> basically meant a lot, um, a shitload of volts is what it should say on all the plugs for that. Yeah. So
0: Ellie uh somehow gets the power back on with the help of uh Hammond and Malcolm talking her through it over a walkie-talkie. Um this is very different in the in the book. It's Grant who goes in here and gets the power back on. Um she also nearly gets eaten by a raptor, um, twice. So the first time is that they're on the way over to the shed and uh they realise the raptors have got out of their pen. And uh Muldoon's like even Nedry knew better to turn off the web defences and then they they <laughs> heading through and just as just as to see they shared they think they can get there Morin says we can't run because we're going to get you know we're being hunted so yeah. he he tells her to run and he stays behind to uh, to sort of yeah. hunt the hunters if you like
1: yeah yeah you know for such a for such a kind of big budget blockbuster movie there are a surprising number of shots in this where they clearly didn't want to or maybe they didn't have the time because of the storm um to Pull off the filming of an actual. Because you'd think this is a great opportunity to do, like they did in the second one, to do like raptor tails moving through the tall foliage and stuff. Mm. Um, but instead, you just. I, I feel like you don't really get the drama of that moment. Like, I mean, you know, that, this is why you hire Bob Peck. He sells it, he sells mm. it very well. You know, we can't because we're being hunted. <laughs> like, he does do it fairly well, but at the same time, I want a little bit of raptor face at that point.
0: Yeah. You know? I, I actually quite like how you don't see them because that's oh, what part of the menace is. And uh, it's because yeah, at the, at the start, yeah. where um, uh, Grant's saying, you know, the attack comes from the raptors you didn't even know were there. And this idea of, like, this guy who's this like, expert hunter can see them, but you yeah. can't. And it's yeah. just this, it could, the attack could come from anywhere at any moment because you've no idea where they are. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it adds a bit of the tension although I remember when I when I saw it when I was little I thought I'll oh, just run you probably make it and thinking about it now you can't because as soon as you turn your back they'll they'll attack um so yeah it's it's yeah it would have been quite good to see something i suppose um but there's yeah. something to be said for the just the just a complete lack of anything there and just feeling the menace without... See- kind of like he did with Jaws, feeling the menace without seeing anything.
1: Yeah, but- and there's no doubt that, you know, Steven Spielberg's better than almost anybody at really making this sort of thing stick. Um, but I, I still feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity because I don't really... Like, because the whole the whole, like, setup isn't tense and kind of claustrophobic enough for me to be really scared by somebody saying something when mm. I've already seen lots and lots of dinosaurs. Mm. So I'm, I'm kind of expecting to see another dinosaur. Mm.
0: Um,
1: but then I don't.
0: Yeah. Because you know? we still haven't got a proper look at a Velociraptor yet, have we, at this stage? No, no, we haven't.
1: And, and actually, I was going to say that I... I for you know, for saying that I wish they'd shown them in this scene, I do like the introduction they subsequently get with the severed arm of Ray Arnold and then, you know, yeah face coming through the pipes sort of thing. Yeah. Um it does work quite well, but I still feel like this is a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah. So that's the second moment where Ellie nearly dies where the uh yeah, this uh Rapture attacks her in the in the maintenance shed. It's obviously already killed Arnold. It kind of tries to attack her through some bars or through some piping. Um which is kind of a weird way for it to try and get the jump on her, considering mm. it's already ripped Arnold mm. to shreds behind her. Um, but yes, yeah, she just about gets out in time. There's also the fact that as she switched on the fence, we cut to um, <laughs> back back at the fences where they're climbing over, and Tim still hasn't finished climbing down the fence, and he basically gets blown off the top of it when when the fence starts up again, and it looks like he's died. And sort of, yeah. Grant catches him. Again, this is um, a scene which, it kind of, this this does happen in the books, but it's just the climb over the fence and it's done. There's never yeah. any real danger. So it's quite a yeah. good, they've obviously taken that and thought, actually, we can add some tension here. Yeah, absolutely, and it do. works
1: beautifully. Really great piece of choreography, that.
0: Yeah. Um, we cut back to the jungle where Muldoon's hunting the raptors and he is just about to shoot one of them um when another one appears right next to him, uh, like in the foliage <laughs> and he does the the line Clever girl as a Yes <laughs> as, as he as he's killed. I think this is the the most terrific death of all of them actually. Mm. Yeah. Just because of the how the tension builds and yeah, there's something about the raptors as well. Yeah. Um which is yeah particularly frightening. Yeah
1: absolutely yeah he's very very frightening although again another thing that i managed to miss somehow when i saw it as a kid was the fact that like there's the like the raptor can be seen but you know when it gets attacked when he gets attacked yeah and then there's like a fern and then you can kind of see this like raptor head moving Mm. up and down behind it like jabbing at him and he's clearly being killed just off camera like i didn't notice any of that i was just like oh that's weird why have you cut to a fern leaf The least engaged, least kind of cine literate viewer of this film when I was a kid, honestly, <laughs> ridiculous. Just going back now, I'm watching, I'm like, Dave, how did you miss it? There's a fucking dinosaur eating somebody on screen, and you're going leaves.
0: <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, Bob Peck got sort of scratch marks from that <laughs> from, from the, the dinosaur <laughs> model that jumped him. Um, Brilliant, he said. Uh, I think it's it's worth taking this moment to point out that um, I think. Muldoon in Jurassic Park, the film, is the most badass character ever to appear on screen without firing a weapon. He never, yes. he, he doesn't fire a shot in the entire Absolutely, film. Absolutely, actually, yeah. but he gets across this sort of badass personality. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, apparently, in the script, he he fires um, the gun as he's attacked, and it just sort of fires yeah. into the ground. But I'm not sure. Yeah. You hear that in the film.
1: I'd, I'd have no, to you button. don't. You, you kind of hear him. He kind of tries to swing around this long gun. Yeah. But then the raptor's already passed it and, you know.
0: It's on him, yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's the end of him.
0: And, you know, but every cloud, bad point, he's been killed. But it turns out Tim is okay after all. He survived yeah! the 10,000 volts through his body. I suppose... Um, would would the fence slowly take a while to get up to charge, so maybe he didn't get a full blast of ten thousand, so slightly more realistic that he might survive. <laughs> <laughs> Marginally. Marginally. Um but yeah, so he's okay. And uh, they head back to the visitor centre. Yeah. Grant Grant drops the kids off and then goes a wandering looking for other people. Did that yeah. strike you as strange after you've sort of spent the last day protecting these children? Just to start of well, leave them. Well,
1: the psychological value of being inside the compound, I think, would be—you know—they've been trying to get there, and they are there. Yeah. You know, I can kind of, I can kind of see the justification of that. Um, but you're right; it is weird that the kids don't freak out at all. You mm-hmm. know, like maybe a day is long enough to demonstrate that you haven't been abandoned.
0: Yeah. The um, as they the, there's this bit with the kids now where they're, they're in this empty cafeteria, so there's loads of like free stuff to get. So they just sort of do all you can eat buffet on the desserts. And I remember watching this thinking, I, oh, you know what? For all the scary dinosaur stuff, it might be worth it to have a, a free run at an all you can eat buffet. Um, such was my <laughs> obsession with dessert when I was little. Uh, but as they're doing that, one of the raptors turns up, they see the shadow of a real raptor come oh, over the picture, drama. Yeah. Brilliant.
1: I tell you what at this point my heart started beating like a jackhammer and i don't think it stopped until several scenes into the future
0: <laughs> like yeah it
1: goes from tension to adrenaline at this point for me
0: yeah so they um they run off into the kitchen uh, meanwhile grant's found ellie uh she's just come out of the shed and somehow she's lost a pink jacket which she had um no one you never really understand why but um, yeah. she runs over and they head back to the visitor centre. Yeah,
1: um, yeah.
0: So, raptors in the kitchen. What are they going to do? It's another classic tense scene, isn't it? And even, I don't know, which one is the, the more frightening to you? The T-Rex attack
1: or the raptors in the kitchen attack? Raptors in the kitchen. Because of the intelligence all the way Mm. because of the intelligence because of the like the the confined space as well and also the fact that the t-rex maybe can't see you you know like there's all sorts of ways where it's kind of happening on a different scale whereas a raptor is your size and is in a a room designed for you with teeth yeah like it's for me much more frightening yeah how about you
0: yeah no I, i i completely agree um there's more malice to the raptor as well the oh, T Rex yeah. seems that to be big, sort that of, big, long,
1: self-satisfied grin, yeah, croaky little laugh that it does, yeah,
0: yeah. The T Rex always comes across as an like an animal like any other, just doing what it does. And the Raptors seem to occupy this strange sort of halfway house where you find sort of chimps and monkeys and stuff, but you know, with teeth and yeah, yeah. an absolute killing machine. Yeah. The, so yeah. more intelligent than an animal, but less intelligent than a human, just about. Um, so yeah, I mean this, this whole scene's great I think my favourite, two two bits of it I like the most, one is the bit where Tim's up against the uh, that row of kitchen implements and the ladle falls over and clangs on the ground mm. and also the bit where Lexi's trying to shut herself in this cabinet and um, she nearly gets eaten but it turns out the raptor attacks her reflection rather than her and ends up sort of smashing into this metal cabinet.
1: Great, great bait-and-switch, that, isn't it? Yeah. A, a fantastic piece of sleight of hand. Yeah. But you're like, ah! <laughs> and they also manage to lock the raptor in the
0: fridge eventually, or one of them, and uh, and then bail and get out there uh, while the other one sort of is coming to yeah. after knocking yeah. himself out. Yeah. Uh, they bump into Grant and Sattler, uh, as they're back, sort of coming back into the visitor centre they all make a break for the control room to get the power back on um, so it gets to the point where the raptors are right outside they're in the control room um, <laughs> Grant's trying to hold the door shut as the raptors are trying to open it Ellie's got to go and help him and it's all down to Lex rather than Tim who it was in the book to to find a way of getting the system back on it's a Unix system so it's, <laughs> a, it's, so it's an old-school Unix system. Old-school
1: um, Unix system. I, I think they should be running it off of um, Acorn Archimedes, to be honest. Well... Tell you what, if well, they were running that, I would have sort of jumped into that chair. I would have been all over it. <laughs> uh,
0: this is Lexi's finest hour, and um, it's the moment where uh, girls across the across the world decide they want to be computer programmers, which is great, because it's such a sort of guy-dominated industry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. um yeah, it it was it, it's a really good idea just to switch this around a bit and give some of that sort of stuff that Tim does in the book to Lex to balance it out a little bit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It feels less as a sort of boy film only then as well. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, very much.
0: So they get the power back on, get the phones working again. Uh, Grant rings up the emergency bunker to tell Hammond the good news. And then you hear Ellie shout, they're coming through the glass! And then a smash, and it's back on the chase. And you're, now, left, you're left with
1: Hammond going,
2: Grant!
1: Yeah, does he yell Grant there, or don't? I have never known what he yells there. Whether he's telling him not to try and shoot at the glass, because the bullets will bounce off, bounce off, or if he's just like, Grant! Like a real kind of, you know, really fearful kind of, what's happening? Yeah, I think
0: it's the latter. I'm I'm uh, almost okay. certain it's the
1: latter. Um, I, I have no feelings either way. I'm just really confused by that, which is annoying because it's is you know one of the best actors of his generation, lobbing everything into a single syllable, and I don't know what that syllable is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, then they uh, so they end up climbing through the vents to try and get away now from the raptors, and as they're going through, one of them jumps up and um, like lifts Lex up, and she almost falls down. She just sort of holds on. <laughs> Um, it turns out. I mean, do you know the tri- do you know the little story about this? She's like she nearly falls. It's a stunt woman, and mm. the stunt woman's supposed to sort of nearly fall and then climb up again, yeah. constantly looking down. But when it yeah. happened, she- the stunt woman looks up, um, and it was a oh, mistake. Really? So they yeah. they CGI'd Lexi's face onto it, and it's the first time anyone ever's tried to do that. And oh, they really? just about get away with it, but if you watch it expecting it, you can see that it looks really weird.
1: Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, how interesting.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool though, that, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that is pretty cool. I'll go and have a look at that.
0: Yeah, um, but so they they climb through the vents and they end up in the main hall, sort of the atrium, uh, climbing on these dinosaur bones. It's another great scene with, with the raptors and the uh, and the, the the people trying to keep away by climbing on these. That was like a high wire act with dinosaur skeletons. Um, just as it looks like all is lost, like another one of the another one of the raptors just shows up by like comes under some tarpaulin, doesn't it, and just appears. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, uh, I always found that strangely hilarious when it appears. It sort of looks around like, "What's going on, guy?" <laughs> Guess who's here? <laughs> Guess who? Um, so they look like they're all—they're all, they're all going to get eaten. They're surrounded. The raptors are about to attack, and then the tyrannosaur <clears throat> shows up. Yeah, and starts taking names and kicking ass. <laughs> kicking, <laughs> kicking ass and taking names. It's um yeah so it, it basically the dinosaur barrels through these these raptors and kills them and ends up roaring to the falling banner when dinosaurs ruled the earth um,
1: what a great ending scene what a yeah. fantastic ending
0: scene that is hey? yeah loved it it is amazing and it's so amazing it's amazing in, it it had to be amazing because it's amazing enough to allow me to. Not think about just how on earth this T Rex has managed to turn up here. Has he, has <laughs> he, 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 it's inside a visitor centre. Has he crashed through a wall? Has he sort of shrugged down to get through a door? Has he no, teleported? Delivery bay, mate?
1: delivery bay out the back where all that where all that ice cream was melting. He's, he's yeah. gone through there. He's had a look at where at the uh, all the Jurassic Park merchandise. Got really angry because they haven't offered him a cut of it. Yeah. and then he's right. I'm going to find the only room in this entire building that where I can actually. Stand up. And <laughs> I... <rawr>! Ooh, Velociraptors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. We'll say he came in through, a, through a, yeah some large storage entry, sort of delivery door. Uh, that sounds good to me. Um, so everyone bails to the helicopter. Uh, Hammond has this last glance at the park before he's sort of dragged away, which is quite a nice moment to end it. And then you've got... Grant and the kids on the helicopter and like both the kids are sort of asleep in his arms and Ellie's sort of looking at him and Hammond's sitting there looking at his little cane again and then we see <laughs> the birds flying into the sunset as well and it's all sort of come together with Grant's evolution and the dinosaur's evolution and all this uh, you know, it's a lovely, uh, lovely end isn't yeah.
1: it yeah uh, very much yeah great little kind of thematic uh, arrangement of stuff yeah Although do we know the fate of Malcolm? Do they even mention it? Um, uh, ha, ha, no. And here's an interesting thing: is that I have repeatedly ripped on the Lost World, the second Jurassic Park movie, for yeah. having um, Vince Vaughn's character disappear halfway <laughs> through the film. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Because it's bollocks, right? Because how does one of the greatest film directors of the 20th century get away with doing that? You know, like, how do you you think that's an appropriate way of treating a character that you bother to introduce? Yeah. Uh, But then he does the same with Ian Malcolm. (laughs) I mean, right at the end of the film. I mean, he has been there for the whole film. Yeah. One assumes he got off. Yeah. Um, But... uh, You're right, actually. I've been ripping on him for this, and I should have been ripping ripping on him for that, and I should have been ripping on him for this as well. Checking it's Checking it might be,
0: um, sort of, Crichton on set has said, you know, in in the book he's written that Malcolm has died, and then yeah. it's sort of on set, and, and Crichton's like, um, so I'm thinking of putting Malcolm in the next book, <laughs> and Spielberg's like, <laughs> really? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh for fuck's sake. <laughs> so he just sort of hedged his bets and thought, well we just won't say anything about him though. He could have yeah, died, yeah, he could've yeah. survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And, and so ends so ends Jurassic Park. Uh, great film.
1: With with a with a I have to say the closing shot of Jurassic Park is one of the best like after cathartic hmm. chill endings, beautiful sunset on the water, helicopter, and the piano version of the theme going over it. Like, just yeah. really great closing to a film. Yeah. Okay, so that
0: rounds up the sort of scene-by-scene scene look at Jurassic Park, the film. It's been weird doing this sort of for a film rather than a book, hasn't it?
1: Very odd. Yeah, mm. I don't feel nearly as faux-intellectual as you might <laughs> Which tells you how pathetic my idea of intellectualism is that, you know, telling naughty jokes over over the top of a beloved novel counts to me as intellectualism. But I definitely feel like we're (laughs) a notch below that when we do films.
0: Yeah. So we we saw this together over the summer. So what did you think? As the credits rolled, um, straight after those birds just flying off into the distance, what was your sort of overriding impression
1: of the film this time? Um, That I was very, very happy to finally have seen it on a big screen. Mm Mm-hmm. And that I'm amazed at how how much of it is embedded in my head. Actually, yeah, though I was happy to see it on a big screen, and it was fantastic, it wasn't transcendent, like it didn't completely blow my mind or make me totally reassess the whole film. Yeah. Because it's already that good, that if, I know it beat for beat and line for line, and I don't believe there's any part of it which... If you changed it, it would improve it. Hmm. Like, everything seems to be, like, shaped together to make this great thing. The staging, the effects, the the acting, the dialogue, you know, inflections on individual words, the music, everything. Yeah. And it all, I was just, it was just bigger on a bigger screen. It was as great a film on a small screen, and there can't be very many films that you can say that about, really.
0: Yeah. Let's let's do a couple of character comparisons. Well,
1: hang on, hang on. What what would you think? What do you think? Let's let's get the let's get the mat impression.
0: Uh, well, you you know what I'm going to say. Um I've every time I've seen this film, I've absolutely loved it since when I first saw it when I was 10 to uh, to seeing it this summer. Uh and yeah, it's still uh, like you quite rightly said, in places the CGI is a little ropey these days, but I mean it is about 20 years old this thing now. But it still packs a real punch, and it's still just a great example of of this uh, how to create the sort of ultimate summer blockbuster. And you can Mm -hmm. you can see that this idea of dinosaurs on people on screen, even though it's been around for twenty years now, you look at the reaction in the box office to Jurassic World. It's still a concept that is just so so um, attractive to so many people, isn't it? And it's just has that wow factor. I think. Wow, dinosaurs stomping around chasing after people, this is gonna be brilliant. It ca- it can't not be. Um
1: Yeah. Well and even when in the case of Jurassic World where it it's definitely not mind blowing, hmm. it's still you're still like Dinosaurs Dinosaurs <laughs> <Yeah>. Flipping Dinosaurs <laughs> Um,
0: I thought what we'd do next is just a, a very quick rundown of um of characters, comparisons, book to film. Um, this is just, just a quick sort of um, quick fire round, if you like. So let's uh, start with Alan Grant. Do you prefer book Grant or film Grant?
1: Oh, oh, you can't just shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're killing me. Um, film Grant, film Sam Neil. Yeah. Sam Neil, that that wry little smile.
0: Yeah, it, it's, he brings yeah. something to it. I also think that, um, as we've said earlier on, I like the arc in. In the film, where he's got the "I don't like kids," and he evolves to, you know what? Maybe I can settle down with some kids. Um, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Although, rather strangely and sadly, like later on in later films, it gives the impression that never really happens for him, um,
1: which is weird. That is one of, of the of the manifold sins, Matt, of Jurassic Park three, <laughs> robbing Alan Grant of a happy a happy future full of fatherhood. Yeah. when I said when
0: I said you can't make sort of dinosaurs stomping around after people not good. Jurassic Park 3 had a damn good at like try it, out, it? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, okay, yeah, I agree with that. So, um next to Ellie Sattler, film or book version do you prefer?
1: Uh film because she's she actually draws this she's a very very believable character who is doesn't she's a, a fantastic, I think a fantastic female character, even though she's the only person in the film to cry in response to any kind of trauma, which I find unrealistic mm. um, and, you know, there are a few moments where she's a little bit damsel in distress, by and large, she's the person walking out the door holding a shotgun saying, I'm going to go and sort this out, and she's not doing it so she can live up some sort of weird whatever the, whatever the kind of action movie opposite of the manic pixie dream girl is she's not doing it so she can be a, a one-dimensional kick-ass woman. Mm. She's being an incredibly well-rounded character, and again, I think, like as good as good as my imagination is, I don't think I could put together a performance as good as Laura Dern's. So it's got to be the film,
0: right? I'd say for me, I'd give this a tie between the two Ooh. because I much prefer the. I think she's much more rounded in the film and actually more of a character. She's a bit of a cipher in the book. Um, she doesn't really. Have a great deal mm. of personality herself, does she? It's just sort of mm. whenever yeah. I think of her in the book, it's her in relation to things that are happening or what other people are doing. Um, mm. But mm-hmm. I think her action sequence in the book, being chased around by the raptors and jumping on the roof and all that stuff,
1: it is much better than anything like actiony in the film. So I'd give it a tie. <laughs> you are, you know what? That is a, that is an outstandingly good argument. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Her action sequences, such as they are. She does get that very claustrophobic, holy shit, she's in a hole in the ground with the Velociraptor sequence, which is good, but that's not really an action sequence for me. That's more of a thriller sequence. That's an outstanding thriller sequence. But you're right. Running, jumping, is she going to get in the swimming pool? (laughs) Has she, you know, hammering on a door that's locked on a roof, shinning up a drain pipe? Great stuff in the book.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's see, next up. Let's let's go for um, well, one that I think might bring. It's, It's currently... Sort of 3-1 to... Hang on a minute, no. 2-0 to the... I can't, hang on a minute, what are they saying? So Grant gave t- two points for Grant, <laughs> two- and then 1-1. So 3-1. It's currently 3-1 to the film. All right, there we go. I think this there might bring it closer to parity. Right. Film Gennaro or Book Gennaro? Oh! Oh!
1: Oh! See, this is difficult, because Book Gennaro is... Fundamentally sane at certain points, where film Gennaro is fundamentally weaselly. Um, and I find that more interesting. I also quite like that Book Gennaro kind of gets his ass handed to him for this kind of like you need to take responsibility for what you've done thing, which was a thread that they totally left out of the movie. In, and fair enough, yeah. Um, ooh. <sighs> Oh, but he's so funny when he's on the toilet. <laughs> yeah, that scene makes it hard to not give it to Film Gennaro, <laughs> isn't it? I am going to give it. I'm going to give it to Butch. I'm going it's a draw.
0: Oh, really? Draw. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I I would I've got to give it Book Gennaro. Um despite, even though there's the film get the 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 scene getting eaten on the toilet in the film. There's one thing, I find it hilarious that like he gets all his shit for it's all your fault, when it's sort of, it is kind of, but also it feels a little unfair to him. And I love that whole sequence at the end where he does seem to be the only sort of sane man still at the party <laughs> when they're going to run. Why run, are we climbing
1: into a hole full of dinosaurs? <laughs>
0: yeah. This is insane. Um, so I give, and also he punches a raptor in the face in the air. Uh, yeah,
1: legit. Book. Legit. That's somebody who's decided to face up to its responsibilities. <laughs>
0: okay, what so greater purity
1: can there be, Matt, than the purity of the clenched fist?
0: <laughs> okay, Um. how about this one? Uh, book Nedry or Film Nedry?
1: Oh. Ooh. I actually... In terms of a depiction, Wayne Knight is unbeatable. Yeah. In terms of an actual character, I, I found myself surprised by how sympathetic I was towards, um, towards Dennis Nedry. Yeah. Like, it's almost like, it's like the ultimate client from hell scenario, really, where not only are your clients trying to get you to do loads of really complicated work for free and claiming it's your fault, but they've also got you trapped on an island in the tropics which you can't leave, and which is full of things that are trying to kill you. Yeah, it's <laughs> where's the danger money on my contract? You know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I, I would say Book Nedry actually as a, as a character himself.
0: Yeah. What about um, let's factor in the the death scenes as well? These are very similar, aren't they, book to film? Oh, they are
1: actually. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. probably not um, lot to choose between them in, the, in in that sense with this character. I'm I'm, I'm going to say book because I think that death scene is far more horrifying when it's told from the perspective of a character who loses his sight halfway through it. Yeah. Instead of cutting away and there's there's, you know, kind of creepy creepy frill dragon thing in the car with him and then the car rocks back and forth and then the, the camera pans yeah. discreetly away looking for a PG rating. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I, th- I think Book still. What about you? Yeah, you, actually just on that, on that death scene with Nedry, do you know in the, mm. in the film
0: where he drops the can of shaving foam and it, it sort of bounces mm. down the hill and then gets covered in mud mm. as he's getting sort of ripped apart in the car. Apparently yeah. Spielberg said that that was where he thought the sequel would go. Like something to do with those
1: embryos? You know what? you know what, I'm just going to do a little rhetorical strut, right? <laughs> just a little rhetorical, do you know what? You I very really clearly remember, called it when I was 10. <laughs> when I was 10. <laughs> I remember having that conversation with somebody, yeah. and we were both like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be the things in the, the can, in the mud, and the, the." And I can't believe that Spielberg, ba- that's such a sign of Spielberg's ability to make films for 10-year-old boys, isn't it? Because look at it objectively, from a story perspective. Like, so what? So your story is, there was this huge Company that had a really complicated, groundbreaking um, manufacturing process for previously unheard-of beasts, and it cost millions. And there was a, there was a, a, an attrition rate of like ninety-seven percent or something. It was it was vicious and it was brutal. And then more dinosaurs grew out of a can that was left in some mud on an island. <laughs> Because because life finds a way, Matt. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> when, there's a, when there's a sequel to be had, life finds a way. <laughs> um, I would say for Nedri, for me, I,
0: I prefer film Nedri just simply because of just how, how well he does the shifty,
1: I'm just going for a can of coke uh, line. <laughs> I <was> absolutely <laughs> love that scene. So I have to give that is a that. great line. There's no denying that is a fantastic line.
0: Okay, this is a this is a real. Oh, let's do this one next actually. Uh, book Malcolm or film Malcolm?
1: Trick one, on this. Oh. Book Malcolm for the uh, book Malcolm for the philosophy, mm. but film Malcolm for Jeff Goldblum's Wicked Game.
0: Yeah, well, you gotta you gotta choose which one has impressed you more though. You can only give it. You can only give it. Film Malcolm. Film Malcolm. Film okay. Malcolm.
1: Film Malcolm. Sorry, film Malcolm. You seen what he's like with his shirt off? My word. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love Jeff Goldblum's performance as Malcolm, but I, I would give it book Malcolm just because I, I love the sort of the, the discussions he uh, over this this whole discussion over, you know. Um, can humans control nature and should science yeah. try to do everything just because it can and oh yeah what happens next uh, what's the next step all those sort of philosophical arguments which i love about the book so much i think the vast majority of that flows through malcolm so that for that reason i would yeah. I, I, I would give it him narrowly despite the superb jeffrey <laughs> things.
1: admit I like you've taken the high ground there haven't you I'm talking about Jeff Goldblum with his shirt off and you're (laughs) like yes but you're not really getting into the philosophical underpinnings (laughs) I'll tell you actually the um if if we ever do the second book I there are some sequences in that where I think I will end up I will end up heartily plumbing for um (laughs) for that thing for you know using those characters as a as a way of talking about some stuff which I found, certainly at the time I was 14 or whatever, found incredibly interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and I think, I mean, nobody's pretending Michael Crichton's a terribly deep thinker or indeed, you know, that it's a proper treatise in, in philosophy. But, you know, Tom Clancy just gives you 95,000 pages on why the Republicans should always run America. Or <laughs> Michael Crichton gives you a consideration of mankind's place in deep time in the cosmos. You know, mm. I know which one I prefer. Yeah. Um,
0: how about let's let's, do, let's move on to the kids next. Uh, book Tim or film Tim?
1: Um, film Tim. Yeah, I feel like book Tim's a bit of a cipher, really. Yeah. film Tim was really really well done by Joseph Mazzello. Like just like really just absolutely nailed that kind of like like frail but surprisingly strong, really interesting. You know, irritating but also you know kind of full of life. Great character. Yeah. Really great.
0: Yeah. Um, book Lex or Film Lex? This might be short. Oh, <laughs> f- film Lex. Yeah.
1: Film Lex. My word. Even if she wasn't written as a really irritating one-dimensional little sister character in the book. Yeah. You know, just the stuff that she, even if she was quite well sketched in the book, in the film she's all kinds of human and gave the world a generation of female computer scientists for that alone. Yeah you know, you've got to say fantastic stuff. Yeah,
0: I I agree. That. And also because um, she does a superb horror scream as well. Does the, uh, Oh, she does! <laughs> Put heart
1: and soul into that, hey. Yeah. Eh? Um, Ariana Richards. I think the reason that she stopped acting is that she knew she'd peaked. Yeah. She knew that nobody was ever going to do as good a film scream ever again. Yeah, And she was just like, you know what? <laughs> I've done it. Drops mic, <laughs> leaves room.
0: I actually just damaged a vocal cords and could not continue. Um, <laughs> oh, that's
1: pretty hard <laughs> also, also fairly believable
0: uh, ok next up uh, film Arnold or book Arnold Sam Jackson brings the game but we get more of book Arnold which one are you going to go for
1: Well, book Arnold is kind of a plot device so that there's always somebody in the room who knows how to use a keyboard yeah. whereas film Arnold A. is played by Samuel L. Jackson B mutters code under his breath in such a way that it's compelling, and I don't know how the <laughs> hell he does that. And C, gets to deliver the line, hold on to your butts, and then get away with just saying, um. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. How how does this man not already have an Oscar?
0: Yeah. Um I've got to say, I absolutely, yeah, I, I do love, I mean, two of my favourite quotes from the film are, hold on to your butts, and whatever it did, it did it all. But, uh um, <laughs> But
1: I'm going to leave... Careful, Matt. Go on. Well, Samuel L. Jackson, he's an intimidating man. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've seen Pulp Fiction.
0: (laughs) But um, (laughs) I I think I'm going to give it... (laughs) I think I'm going to give it uh, Book Arnold because I really like how he is just so sort of... He's sort of the human part, the human sort of fallible part of this park system. And oh, a really good example of how, you know, it doesn't matter how good the system is if the person operating it is tired and making mistakes because, say, they've been working flat out for the last forty-eight hours or thirty-six hours without a break, um, things still go wrong. And um, mm. I, I just, yeah, there's something about that, and the fact that we actually do get a death scene of him as well. I give. A, yeah, that's true. I yeah, in the film, on. in
1: the film, he's fairly well ushered out of it. Although, again, and I will say it for the fifth time not as peremptorily as Vince Vaughn was dumped out
0: of <laughs> That's brilliant, yeah. At least you find out what happened to Arnold. Um, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Whereas Vince Vaughn might as well have just might have just fallen off the plate. Where's where's, um, where's Nick Van Owen? Oh, he fell off the boat. <laughs> you you going to talk about it at all? <sighs> <laughs> I'm sure I saw in the truck this is a... a
0: Actually, we won't go into that because it's Jurassic Park 2. We'll do it. <laughs> we'll right, do it when it comes right. around.
1: We'll do it later. later. Um, okay, Book
0: Hammond or Film Hammond?
1: Oh. Oh, well, Film Hammond, you can't vote against Richard Attenborough, but on the other hand, Book Hammond is a much better antagonist. Yeah. And he's actually a very well sketched total arsehole. Hmm. Um, for that alone, I'm going to go Book Hammond, actually.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, as great as Richard Attenborough is, isn't it? Um, I think the, the the darker side of Hammond is just so interesting, and you only really see that in the book don 't you
1: yeah well it 's also it's it 's another part of this whole kind of critique of capitalism thing that with with the the stuff that genera has to cut for as well you know that you 're kind of you have to live up to the implications of what you've paid for here yeah um hammond 's another image of that you know it's a Jurassic Park the film is a book about how cool dinosaurs are and about you know um, impromptu families coming together about human survival and about feminism Mm. Um, but it's not about capitalism and the book manages to be about capitalism as well which I think is pretty cool
0: yeah um this is a we've got a couple here who are don't really feature much in the film so but we'll tr- do them anyway. Uh, book Henry Wu or film Henry Wu. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> include the black pole actor in Jurassic World. Jurassic World.
1: <laughs> 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 oh well, in that case, away from the creepy Botox and the, the somehow <laughs> the the he looks weird, Matt. I'm sorry, he looks odd. Um, away from all of that, um, film film Wu. Just for just for his yeah a performance summed up completely by the sarcastic raising of a pencil. Yeah, genius.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for for book Woo, because just so much more to him, and um, yeah. again, there's, there's a lot to uh, to to like about the the sort of discussions over version 4.4 4 and things like that. So I'll, I'll go for go for the book, uh, book or film Harding. <laughs> it's probably the, one of the easier <laughs> ones.
1: <laughs> um book harding in that he is a character rather than a flashlight and a (laughs) moustache
0: yeah okay i agree with that I didn't particularly like uh, the way he was portrayed in the film either Um, okay Uh, we've got one more character do you know who it is
1: is it Ed Regis (laughs) oh he's Dodgson
0: isn't it no it's actually it's neither of those but um, Uh, I didn't (laughs) okay Ed Regis I <laughs> suppose well we, we can't compare because he's not in the film, but we can compare sort of his character who takes his place in terms of the death. So, eating on a bog or um, toyed <laughs> with and killed by juvenile Tyrannosaurus Rex. Which one do you think is the worst way to go?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Most entertaining way to go, it, it's the film. I was actually going to say that even though he's not in the film, I prefer the film version because I find the character in the book so irritating.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, Oh, right, let's do Dodgson, book or film? Uh, he's, he's hardly in either, though, isn't he? Uh, that's true. Yeah. So we're just yeah. so we just, so just not. We'll, we'll refuse to participate yeah. in that one.
1: Let's cut that out. Yeah. Uh,
0: got one. One more. Uh, book Muldoon or film Muldoon?
1: Um. <laughs> book muldoon because he manages to be a badass whilst absolutely toasted all the way through i just, I, I love the fact that he goes from being like i can handle a shotgun and i am the man here to bloody hell i'm hammered give me that shotgun you know like just just the, just the whole kind of the sight of a child of the empire completely coming apart of the scenes in the face of <laughs> an animal he can't shoot and kill i find quite entertaining really
0: <laughs> yeah i agree much as it pains me because he's my favorite uh character in the film and i love yeah that i mean played. bob,
1: bob peck we salute yeah. you right
0: uh but yeah i go for for buck muldoon for the fact he yeah brings down a tyrannosaurus rex and shoots a couple of velociraptors without even sort of bashing batting an eyelid um mm-hmm. i'll give him that uh, so, I've kind of tried to keep score. I think from my very rough calculating, it's film 16, book 14. So, close, but film nicks it. Um, I don't know what that means. Ah. Um, it's not really well. very
1: scientific, but... You know.
0: Sorry, Michael. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, go elsewhere if you
1: need scientific reviews. These are subjective reviews. Yes,
0: yes, quite. Okay, well, never mind our, our own views. It's time to move on to uh, the very best from... The world of feedback and of course the, the wider internet because I do like to, to go and find a few from all over. So, hmm. um, a few reviews of the film that I've got from a couple of websites. Right. Um, the first, I'll go through a few five stars first. The first one's from Robin and it's short and sweet. Five stars. Good film. That's Robin. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's outstanding that's the most I've got 20 quid says he's from the north of England right how was it yeah, it was good yeah, yeah. it was, was alright right. if
0: it was something Arthur's say it was alright it was alright
1: yeah yeah, was, yeah no but that's how that's how impressive it was that he's sitting there and he uh, honestly having weighed it back and forth yeah it was good that
0: he's, re- he's reached for the superlative good film <laughs>
1: and he's found the mo <laughs> It was good that. Okay,
0: uh, Bill makes more of an effort. Uh, Bill says, "This is what fantasy movie making is all about: to take the viewer deep into an incredible alternative world for a couple of hours, and to be so completely absorbed that you forget about everything else. sheer brilliance." Oof, Go along well out. said, uh, yeah. Ellison. Uh, a man has created a way to create dinosaurs. He has an amusement park to show the dinosaurs off and needs a doctor to approve the park. One of the employees wants to make some cash, and that causes a problem. The people run for their lives That's it. <laughs> it is just... so the plot, the plot, the plot
1: exclamation mark.
0: I do like I do like that as the plot in four lines. I quite like the one of the employees wants to make some money and that causes a problem. It's probably the biggest understatement I've ever heard. <laughs> it sounds like there's a problem in sort of the bank transaction, but, you know, it's something a bit more
1: serious than that. <laughs> Deary me. Yeah, I, I quite, I, I don't know, that's a fairly good piece of minimalist storytelling. It's I, I can imagine that being the sort of shot for shot Kind of storyboard script for like a, a a claymation remake of it, like a stop motion animation kind of, and you're just waiting for the bit where you get to animate the people run, <laughs>
0: <laughs> run away. Okay, we've got some um, some fools who've stepped up to put this put, to slap a one star review on this. Um, I'll try and contain my rage. <laughs>
1: okay, you're like, should we? Should we? will top this with with the statement. Hashtag trollolololololololol. These people, these people, are the juvenile T Rex of internet reviews.
0: Yeah, uh, we start off with milkshake. Starts with a bad name and Basically, goes downhill from there. Um, <laughs> she says, or "I'm he. loving
1: this. This is fantastic. I'm loving seeing you get 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 out of out of shape." <laughs> oh, the, how dare you, sir? How dare
0: you? Yeah, he or she says. Uh, them dinosaurs don't look like real ones to me. Rubbish. Uh, that, that's Milkshake's verdict. Um, <laughs> I, like, I like this one. This is Martha's review. One star. I, I imagine Martha to be about, I don't know, like 90 or something. Awful film. The only thing that happens are dinosaurs viciously attack and kill humans. Very predictable. Should be classified as a 15. The jokes and special effects are stupid and cheesy. How can people actually think this is entertainment? It's very unrealistic, violent and traumatizing. Overall an awful film. Oof.
1: Yeah. Those words come unminced. <laughs> My word. Um well, um, um when you say predictable I <laughs> uh, Are you saying that they should just have made friends? There there should have been like a a groundbreaking one hundred and fifty million dollar depiction of, you know, very very slowly teaching a T Rex to communicate by waggling its left arm a little bit (laughs) or its right arm a little bit further down, or like attempting to teach a T Rex sign language or something in order, like like Jane Goodall with. (laughs) <laughs> Planet of the T-Rexes, no, 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 If they're, can you imagine if they'd have made a dinosaur movie and the dinosaurs just sort of hung around in the background and the whole film would have been people sitting in the, the land cruisers, uncrushed and unsullied, going, now of course it's very... Important that we're very quiet because dinosaurs are very shy, and of course, we we'll never attack another. Fuck off! This is the David Attenborough thing! Do, do, it's not a David Attenborough thing, it's a Richard Attenborough thing, do,
0: eh? Do you reckon she thought she'd, brought, she'd bought Walking with Dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute, there are people here. Oh! No. Oh, no, no! <laughs> No, I, the blood, I think the dismembered goat legs. Oh. <laughs> I think with the very predictable, I reckon as soon as sort of they got in the line cruiser setting out, she just sort of sat back and just went, Well, the lawyer's going to end up getting eaten on the toilet, isn't he? <laughs> 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 saw that one coming my way <laughs>
1: moving on now let's watch memento which i anticipate i know everything about
0: <laughs> i also find it strange how she calls it both very unrealistic and traumatizing i'm not sure i've ever been
1: traumatized by anything that's completely unrealistic that's very true as well mm. also traumatizing is quite a strong word to use there i mean are we mm. are we talking about like i mean our dinosaurs are dinosaurs alive and well and living in Eastbourne, and, and it's bringing back some fairly difficult memories for her, or something yeah. like? I, mm, I'm not certain the word "traumatizing" would be quite correct there. Yeah. Now hold on to your butts
0: because this is a this is a this is a corker kind of a one star right? from Ramsey. All right. Um, Ramsey says. Ramsey. Yeah.
1: Ra- I'm predisposed to dislike it, yeah. you Carry on.
0: Ramsey says this film is silly. Who says what colour dinosaurs were? And then he goes. <laughs> Then he goes on to say, they're not. That's, that's your on-ramp. <laughs> the not-so special effects that everyone raved about are terrible. Bob Hoskins did it better in Roger Rabbit, with proper eye contact, too. <laughs> Is
1: he under the impression that they were going to be fucking musical numbers? <laughs> Jessica T-Rex turns out to be a very, very beautiful human woman who's animated. Like, what the. <laughs>
0: I love how in in Jurassic Park you have a problem with the lack of eye contact between dinosaurs and people. Yeah, you really want,
1: you know, human moments, witty, zinging, (laughs) 1930s noir-style repartee between Bob... I'm, I'm not saying it wouldn't have benefited from having Bob Hoskins in it. Every film would benefit from having Bob Hoskins in it, but... No, eye contact <laughs> You not fucking Mary Poppins you've not got a T-Rex on his finger singing to it like a bluebird <laughs> whistling in unison he's trying to eat his face there's not much time for and, 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 and by the way actually there is a moment of eye contact with a dinosaur with the shiny light on the T-Rex eye <laughs> and the constricting iris so bollocks yeah no, 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 in the, in the car, when Lexa's got the, she's oh, sorry, paralyzed yeah, in yeah, fear yeah, and she's course. got the light shining out of the thing and the T-Rex comes down and it, Yeah, Um. <laughs> the next one, I mean, this is... How many more of these are there? I'm astonished you've managed to find more than two uh, bad opinions about Jurassic Park on the internet. This
0: is the final one star one I've got, and I've got one more five star, but I'll save that to the very end. Right, um, right, right. This right. is from Grimm. And um, it's the most... You, uh, you're guaranteed to not have read a review like this before, or heard a review like this before of Jurassic Park. This was off the Amazon website, which might give us a, a clue as to what may have happened here. There may be some kind of mix-up. <laughs> but Grimm says of uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, blockbuster classic Jurassic Park, seller was great, arrived next day, but can't see it ever boiling anything. Water was heated enough to make hottish cup of coffee, will plumb for tilly option next-door outdoors purchase. If I was freezing on the side of a mountain, maybe I'd be happy to have it. So that's uh, Grimm's thoughts on Jurassic Park. Don't know if you've got Um, anything to add there.
1: I sense sense that Graham may not internet. (laughs) I sense that may be what's going on here.
0: Yeah, if you're looking for a a great hot cup of coffee, a DVD of Jurassic Park probably isn't the, the best thing to go for. So you can't really argue against that. Um, we've got a bit of feedback to get through as well. Um, oh, yeah, here we go. Now we've had we've had some from Max, uh, regular podcast listener and uh, friend of the cast. Hello, Max. Hello, Max. Uh, Max uh, says that he he agrees. Um, hang on a minute. He, he says he recently read reread Jurassic Park, so he's talking more about the the book than the film. But we'll we'll squeeze it in here. Um, oh, for one, he agrees with with you, Dave, on me to some extent about. The surprise and general confusion over the the voice you are hearing is Richard Kiley. We spared no expense. Uh, okay. Who the hell is he? Um, so yeah. and th- th- this guy lives in America. So you know if Max hasn't ever heard of him,
1: he, he knows stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, especially Richard Kiley stuff. Yeah. I thought I thought it was one of it would be one of those things where we'd have people in America just saying, "Oh yeah, Richard Kylie, he's massive." Obviously, obviously <laughs> not. Um, <laughs> Clearly not. No. Uh, hold on to your butts here because uh i'm not sure how max has come across this probably best not to ask too many questions but max says (laughs) back in the early 2000s there was a hilarious joke website that was making the rounds i don't know if you guys saw it i certainly didn't and dave i don't think you heard i'd be surprised it was the you ready International Jurassic Park Erotic Fan Fiction Writers' Association.
1: Oh, mother of God. <laughs> mother of... Had, deary me. It
0: had a tiled background of a dancing T-Rex with nuclear colours, and there was lens flares following the mouse around. Um, the stories are all hilariously named.
1: This is now, this is a surprisingly <laughs> in-depth description of the site, Max. But they, they, uh, no, the best part... I'm not, I'm not judging, mate. You know, I... I, I, I I like reading fictionalised accounts of T-Rexes gently caressing the horns of Triceratops, the crests of Pachycephalosaurs, as much as the next one.
0: In defence of Max, I think he may have just sort of stumbled upon it, had a chuckle and then sent it on to us. But um,
1: Well, yeah, but for which service, by the way, I am grateful. <laughs> Do not misunderstand me. This is gold. Um, I'm not going to go and visit it just now because, uh, you know... Well, it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, does he not? But, oh, it's would be on the Wayback Machine. Oh, look, I assume, uh,
0: possibly, but uh, we don't even need to do that because he he's gone above and beyond the Call of Duty Max here. It seems that somebody has archived them, and the amazing visual design. Oh no, the the design's been lost to antiquity. But he has sent a link, which when you open starts playing this
1: weird sort of synthie Jurassic Park <laughs> music. <laughs> oh no, really? It's got autoplay MIDI. Ba, <laughs> but,
0: um, just to give you a flavour of it, I'll read you a couple of the names of uh, of the stories. Um, Trannosaurus Rex, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's Ray's Raunchy Relief, which I think relates to Ray. Oh, nobody <laughs> needs that. Deary me. <laughs> there's A Big Finish. The... <laughs> There's what's 25 feet tall and comes in pints.
2: <laughs> and,
0: oh and, no! What? And my personal favourite, john <laughs> And my um personal favourite, <laughs> Hammond fisted. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, f- oh, dearie me.
0: I, I, I'm not, I'm not I have not I've not promised to read any yet, but the title's alone, YET
1: Don't use the word yet <laughs> Run away, Matt, run away Um so I, I I tell you what, I had I had previously <laughs> doubted have you heard of Rule thirty four of the internet? No. Rule thirty four of the internet. If you can imagine it there's porn on it. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think what's it called? The Jurassic Park jiggly pants. What is it? It's it's called What's the
0: name of the site the the Jurassic Park Erotic Fan Fiction Writers Association.
1: I like that it's an association as well. Like it's it's a, a, a collection of serious writers truly committed <laughs> to the cause of erotica featuring dinosaurs. Yeah, it, um, it, it's, a, it's a travesty uh, that
0: there are only about ten stories to. Be- <laughs>
1: <laughs> there were only ten stories. Tell you what, that was the infancy of the internet. These yeah. days, there'd be billions of the fuckers. Yeah. Honestly, dearie. Well, me. all right. Okay. Well,
0: Max, uh, thanks. Thank you very much for that. Um, thanks for. I think it's the first feedback I've ever had that's baby cry with laughter. So, um,
1: <laughs> <that>. he's <laughs> usually dead inside. Max, well done. <laughs> mate. Well done.
0: Um, we're, we've also I've noticed in the Shark Live Royal account. If you want to get involved, um, anything we've read so far or reading in the future, podcast at gmail.com is where to send it to. But um, obviously we go through the feedback that gets sent to, to the address, but also there's a junk section where I, I was suddenly worried that maybe some of our listener feedback has been inadvertently and accidentally diverted to the junk folder, so I had an, I opened it up to see what I could find, and um, we've got a bit of feedback, I don't think, it's, it's it's not regarding Jurassic Park, but uh, Dave, I don't know if you want to get involved in this, it's an offer, um, it, oh, it begins, hello my beloved one, I need your assistance, this is to the oh, Charlotte well, Royal uh, podcast. So
1: hang on, hang on a minute, let me just, write. sorry, yeah. clearly this is quite serious, I'm, um,
0: well, well, I'm engaged. Well they've embarrassed themselves there already, because there are two of us, but carrying on. <laughs>
1: Please bear. Maybe, maybe, maybe they they think that we sound so similar. Maybe, maybe so perfect is the choreography of our our witticisms that they've come to think of Shark Liver Oil itself, yeah, as an individual. Could
0: be. Um, they say, please bear with me. I'm writing. Or this Maybe
1: they know it's only you who check the email account. I'm yeah, sorry. that's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, they say, please bear with me. I'm writing this mail to you with tears and sorrow from my heart. Oh, so, dear. so get ready. Oh I should mention here we get the name um this might sound a familiar name I am Aisha Muammar Gaddafi um don't know if you uh, recognize that name uh, it, <laughs> what the surname sounds vaguely familiar from international Mi- middle name too has a
1: certain ring to mm. it doesn't it um so I, this was sent recently <laughs> this was sent uh, in August um, so this is Colonel Gaddafi, he of the Green Book, reaching out to us from beyond the grave. No, no,
0: no, 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 because, um, it goes on in the rest of that sentence, the only daughter of the embattled president of Libya, uh, Omar Gaddafi.
1: Embattled? <laughs> I should fucking say so. He's been dead for five years.
0: Yeah. Well, it turns out, Dave, that um, that his, his daughter is, uh, has got a, a, basically, long story short, an account in Burkina Faso with $5.8 million oh. in there.
1: Um, I, I wonder how she got 5.8 million dollars that far across the world's biggest and most terrifying desert yeah I, I, I do wonder why that was the most convenient safety deposit box yeah because you would have thought that Rome being about a 45 minute flight away probably would have been a safer bet wouldn't you yeah but no Burkina Faso no fair enough Africa obviously as we know is all one place yeah. so you know um, yeah, yeah. All right.
0: she says sorry for my pictures she's not sent any pictures so she's let herself well, down I think again. That's,
1: a, that's a mercy yeah. isn't it
0: um and she also says, uh, basically, if we give her a bit of a hand, we can get a slice of this five point eight million bucks. Hey, um, hey
1: I tell you what, we could do, Matt. We we could make a Jethinkisaurus. Well, we could do that with this. No, with this money, Matt. Matt, <laughs> dare
0: to dream. Uh, the, 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 we could. I found the snag, though. She says, uh, "I am in search of an honest and reliable person to help." I mean, uh, we, we're neither. So,
1: well, we 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 we. Honest and reliable persons, plural. So, yeah, she only wants one of
0: us. Her account's going to be frozen and all that. Well, best, I should. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you can still get a signal wherever you are. I think she's in some camp in Burkina Faso, but hopefully
1: because she escaped there from Libya, obviously. Yeah, hopefully
0: while you're waiting for the for the funds to clear and for someone who's a bit more reliable than ourselves to uh, to get, you know, to get that 5.8 million over to a safe account. Um, in the meantime, have a listen to, to a few more shark live roles. We've got some, some good stuff on Game of Thrones, um, if you like that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. a bit of political intrigue. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got some stuff on Jurassic Park, obviously, which you, I'm sure you've been listening to as soon as you've sent, sent this during August. Uh, but plenty, plenty of other stuff on there. And, um, yeah, thanks for the feedback and keep listening. Um, yeah, yeah, cheers. You know, if you've got any... Uh, you don't have to be sort of the... The daughter of a, a deposed and, and and killed leader of a, a you know North African state. You can be just a regular podcast listener. Get in touch, uh, Shark Royal Podcast at gmail and uh, we will read it out um, on on this podcast. We're an equal opportunities feedback podcast, aren't we? Yeah. More
1: of that from the and if there's money in it for us, so much the better. Yeah,
0: more of that from the both the junk and non junk folder of feedback as we carry on through Shark Live Royal. But uh, thanks very much for listening to the the what's been basically a marathon Jurassic Park film podcast. We're clocking up about three hours. Epic.
1: The size mat of a brontosaurus.
0: Yeah. All that's left is for our final five-star review. This is from John Bob the Great. (laughs) (laughs) And John Bob the Great says... uh, Never knowing the (laughs) undersold. I've grown up with the film, and I've seen it so many times, I know the script backwards but I still notice little bits which make it better every time. It's great for the first time and the hundredth time. John Bob, you're absolutely right. And uh, I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you see this film. A great film's a great film, isn't it? And uh, Jurassic Park, for me, certainly falls into that category.
1: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's been fantastic.
0: Yeah. So that's us done. Uh, Next week, if you're listening to the Shark Live Royal Feed, um, you can... Oh, If you've clung on this long, okay, let me tell you. If you follow us on at SharkLiverOil, I will tweet the link. Dare you click on it to the, uh, what was it called? The official Jurassic Park Erotic Fan Fiction Association. I can't believe you're going to do that. Yeah, well, people listening will be like, I am kind of curious. And if you are at SharkLiverOil on the Twitter, give us a follow and you will
1: find the link. Which, Can we at least tag it with with you know NSFW yeah. like not safe for work or indeed not safe for work, home, train, bike, <laughs> planet. Oh yeah, it'll, not safe not safe anywhere. NSA. Yeah, I right. love all the hell. Oh no, warnings. that'll get us
0: followed, won't it? No, never mind. Then. Yeah, we've already mentioned Gaddafi, so we're, we're playing with fire as it is. Um, so next week we will be moving swiftly on to um, an Agatha Christie book, which I've never, yeah. I've never read any Agatha Christie before. It's a murder mystery, and I've never read it before, so um, even if you don't read the book, it might be quite fun listening to me flail around in the dark, accusing people left, <laughs> right and centre who have nothing to do with the murder. <laughs> uh, but that'll be next week. If you're following the... To get that, you need to follow the Shark Live Royal uh, podcast feed. We've also got the Jurassic Shark podcast feed, which you may be following this on. And obviously, this will just give you the Jurassic Park stuff we do. We will, at some point in the future, uh, probably, probably be a good six months or so, maybe slightly less, we will do The Lost World by Michael Crichton. And that will appear yes. on, the obviously, the, the normal feed where you get everything, which is Shark Liver Oil podcast and the Jurassic Shark feed. Okay, that's us done, Dave. There we go. And until next time. It's been a pleasure. Until as always. next time,
1: Matt. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely.